Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Happy 7-Eleven. It is 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It's great to have you with us. Good morning, kids. How are we doing? Doing wonderful. Uh, well, you're okay. Uh, we'll, we'll start with this. And and we know this is a sports show, right? And by the way, tune in on the on the YouTube. On Let's the go tube. to YouTube. Yep, and uh, 101 ESPN. Uh, uh, yes, uh, 101 ESPN STL. Okay, use that. You can watch us. And you can see the disappointment in Kerry Davis's face because of the Starbucks order that he has. Actually, the last couple of last Starbucks couple of, orders. It's been, been very disappointing. Mm-hmm. I, I went the other day. I told you I, I normally order a grande, and she handed me a cup that looked like a pup cup. That's what I said. I was like, was it a pup cup? What is this? She said, it's a grande. I said, no, ma'am, it is not. (laughs) I had to take my glasses off just to make sure some of my sunglasses, maybe I'm seeing this wrong. (laughs) No, ma'am, that is not. You can go back in there and grab me a grande. I'd greatly appreciate it. Grande is grand. Because there is is like a noticeable difference in the different (laughs) sizes. And if you go quite often, like you do, Carrie, I go as well a lot. David, I get him treats from there, as we learned yesterday. That he's not a fan of. (laughs) That he's not a fan of. But either way, it's a treat. And you know the difference in size. Yes. And also the taste or quality of it. You know when it changes. If you pay for a larger beverage, you want a larger beverage. You don't want the smaller one. That's That's reasonable. That's the most important part. By the way, I am not, as you two know, a coffee drinker. Yes. That being said... And is David a coffee drinker? No. no. Uh-uh. Do, That's do why ever, it's weird that I get him Starbucks. Do you ever buy him the lemon pound cake, however? I have Their not. lemon pound cake is delicious. Really? So okay. give that an opportunity to be a great treat for him. He'll enjoy it. Okay. We also had the question, uh, uh, official, need an official. Should we go over under on the, uh, the, the Brooke Grimsley target oh, bill yesterday? I'm going over. Okay, let's set the whatever, over. Whatever it is, I'm I, going I am shocked. Why would you say that? <laughs> okay, well, let's go. Let's let's set the over under at sixty-eight dollars oh, fifty cents. Well over, over. Um, My guess was going to be eighty-six. Okay, I'm going to go. Gonna go. I'm going uh, going under here at sixty-eight fifty. I'm going to go one. 12, 15. The faith is low. Now, you should know this. If you weren't tuned in yesterday, Brooke Grimsley goes through every single aisle when she shops at Target. Okay. So I had 68.50. Or no, that's the over-under. I went under. Brooke, what do we got? CD, you are the winner. (laughs) CD, you are the winner. Yes. What's an approximation here? Uh, 
close to what CD said. Look, I went in there with the intention. Yesterday, I hulked my headphones, and so I had to go in there to Target. But, you know, I go to the Target at Brentwood, so that electronic aisle is all the way in the back, and there's, like, clothing before you get there. And, I mean, like, groceries on the other side, but still, I was like, I need some snacks. Oh, wait, there's a new dress. Oh, wait, I need some more of this. Like, I I need some more of that. Oh, this is new. And so then it took me a while, and then I, I kid you not, I almost left the store. I was like, wait a minute. I forgot to get headphones. So then I had to go back to the electronic aisle and get headphones. These are just some uh, $20 headphones, so I might have done some extra damage at Target. Very nice. By the way, I and happy uh, Prime Day. As yeah. well, in addition to 7-Eleven. I need to quit shopping. I am a, I, I'm a, a, a click done. And as you know, my Beats by Dr. Dre broke mm-hmm. last week. I dropped them. And I yeah. didn't glue them. So I got some official Sony dynamic stereo headphones that say professional on them. Ooh. There you go. On the, uh, I got them uh, off of the old uh, Amazon. Professional. So. Oh, you got to break them right now. <laughs> just just <laughs> broke them. Did you really just no, do that? Oh, okay. It sounded like it. <laughs> Uh, home Run Derby last night in Seattle. The All-Star Game is tonight. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. The pregame is at 6, right after the fast lane. Randy A. put on a show, but unfortunately, because I picked Randy A. to win, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. beat Randy A. in the finals. But what a great performance by the, the former Cardinal Randy Arosa. Rain. And boy, the Cardinals can identify talent. They can't keep it, but boy, they can identify it. Oh, that was painful. How many photos did you guys see all over social media of just Randy Rosarina and Adolis Garcia just enjoying each other, just having fun, celebrating with each other? I mean, they even put up graphics of them in the old Cardinals uniform yeah. and hugging, and that was painful. Good for them. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah we got Matthew Libertor and some cash considerations. There you go. He's coming around. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah, well, coming around. If you're if you're down in Memphis, he's coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'll be here. He'll be he'll be yeah. okay, right? Yeah. Uh, also, yesterday the pre All Star press conferences were held, and Nolan Arenado was put up on the stage, and uh, he was grilled. He was asked whether or not he'd be surprised if he were part of trade rumors for the Cardinals at the end of this month. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Uh, I mean, it is a business, right? I, I've been traded once, and I think that shocked a lot of people at that time. So, no, I guess it doesn't surprise me anymore what happens in this game. But uh, it would still be surprising seeing certain things happen. But I understand that there's, there's, there's certain things that probably should. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not. No. He is not. What would he like to see happen with this 2023 edition of the St. Louis Cardinals, who sit 14 games under and 11 and a half games out of first? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, I, I don't know exactly where, you know, we're going to go, but, uh, you know, we got to really, if we want to make a run, we really got to take off in the second half. And, uh, you know, our schedule isn't as hard or as complicated as it was in the first half. And I hope, hopefully that can pay dividends, you know, but uh, that remains to be seen. We got a lot of work to do, but hopefully this break will give us recharged and ready to go. Yeah, I would say they, they have a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah, a lot, a whole lot if they want to. <laughs> try to win the division, make a playoff run, uh, get above 500. <laughs> you name it, they need it. Uh, they are, you know, in the in the depths of of baseball, mm-hmm. the basement that that could be that we've never been accustomed to seeing the Cardinals in. Uh, I don't think he's going to get traded either. I think he'll be here, but I think this first couple of weeks is going to be crucial to decide whether the Cardinals are buyers or sellers yeah. after this trade, after this uh, All Star break, break before the trade deadline. It's just interesting because with Nolan. 
I, he doesn't give you like too much, but I do find it really interesting. One of the things that he said that, you know, maybe adding another piece, I would love to know, because I think we all know, but what do you think that he means by adding another piece? Pitcher, starting pitcher, or maybe a, maybe a better defense by him. When I hear adding another piece, I think about adding yeah. somebody. And I'm thinking starting yeah, pitcher is what he pitcher. has to be thinking about there. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that if the Cardinals are going to be buyers, that that's the direction they should go. Now, a lot of people during the course of the first half of the season, with as dismal as things have been, have wondered whether or not Arnato regrets opting in with the Cardinals. And he was asked yesterday uh, if he hopes to stay here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I mean, I opted in for a reason, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's a reason why I opted in. And, uh... You know, if I didn't feel that way, I definitely wouldn't have done that. So to see it through the years here. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how this goes. It's a business. I don't know how it goes, but you know, I do, you know, there's a reason why I opted in. I do love St. Louis. My family loves it. So we just want to turn it around. And he's got a no trade. So and the and the Cardinals like having star players. I think that's one thing that. A lot of folks miss. The reason that people like Goldschmidt and Arnado are on the roster is because Bill DeWitt Jr. enjoys having stars on the roster. This is why we don't have the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Kansas City Royals, because the owner enjoys having stars. I agree. Uh, And that's what you want on there. I just wonder when he's being asked that question, if it's more of that they're thinking of Paul Goldschmidt, the possibility of him being traded, since that's the name that's being brought up the most. I just think that they see this as a business. And I think Nolan truly means that Mm -hmm. it would be tough for him to lose Paul Goldschmidt. And who knows if we'll get to that point. I think a lot of it's going to be dependent on things with Jordan Montgomery or even where they see this team. If they even see them as sellers, which I know we're going to get into that later. It doesn't seem like it's still. But I, I think that maybe that's what he's talking about. It's just a business at the end of the day. Okay. 20 days down the road is the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to give me your predictions. And you can only choose one or the other. Paul Goldschmidt is traded or signs an extension. I'm going to say he would sign an extension before he would be traded. I would traded say sign an extension. Days. Ooh. He's... About to be 36. Yeah, I would be stunned if the Cardinals would move him, and I would if be you're giving equally. Me... Yeah, I would be equally stunned if he didn't end his career here. Um, if those are my two options in 20 days, and this is what they're going to do, not what you want them to do. Hmm. I may say traded as opposed to extending them. I mean, if you are, if you are, especially if they continue to not play mm-hmm. well these next two to three weeks after the All Star break. Yeah, I don't think you can justify. Resigning someone, knowing that he's getting older. Obviously, he's still playing first base, but he's hitting well. He's still doing a a fantastic job. But the extension would have had obviously add more years to that. That add more years to what he's doing here. I, I don't know that that would be something that they would do. One of the things that I always remember is that Mark McGuire, at the age of thirty seven, had a two year extension in his desk that he could have signed and come back for. 30 million bucks, two years, $30 million, 15 million a year. And he decided that he was too injured to sign it. And by the way, that's one of the reasons that he is adored by the, the DeWitt family is because he had that self-awareness. Hey, I'm, I'm too beat up to play this. Marcus subsequently told me, he said, man, I wish I would have kept playing because he wanted to play with Albert. Mm-hmm. But I think this ownership is so loyal to their players that they'll do everything they can to keep Goldie around. And I don't think they expected Matt Holiday to keep playing. By the way, after he, uh, after they turned down his uh, his option, I don't think that they expected that he was going to play again. My question, follow up question, that is: Do you think that they're happy with their core group of players? Yes, and they should be. By the way, aside from the pitching, 
Yeah, right. But Which it, I it, don't even no, consider those it, no. in that quarter. Oh, I'm thinking right. like Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. Contreras. They're, yeah, they're, Contreras. They're, they're, and Contreras has a note. He can't be traded right, anyways right. the first four yep. of his five years. Yep. And then Walker Gorman, and let's throw Tommy Edmond in there. I do think that even though it hasn't gone the way they want him to go, I think most teams would like to have that core. Yeah. If you took all 30 teams, I would say more than 15 would like to have, or, or more than 15 or more of the other teams in baseball would like to have what the Cardinals have. I agree with that. And in I terms feel, of position players. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like if you're still happy with your core and you think that they have the ability where you can still continue to build around them, that's why I thought it was interesting that Nolan Arenado said that maybe adding a piece, adding a couple other pieces, figuring out what's going on with this pitching staff, I think you could Im- make some improvements there for this group moving forward while keeping that core intact. Do you trade a pitcher for another pitcher? Like, it, it, does that make sense? Are you going to upgrade that position? Whatever you get back, yep. if you were to trade Montgomery or Flaherty at the deadline, are you going to get something back in return that is of greater value than what you're letting go? It might be. For example, last year when, uh, in the reverse, Pittsburgh traded Quintana here for Johan Oviedo. Mm-hmm. Do something like that. Yeah, get a young pitcher, major league ready, that has some stuff. Yeah, I, I would be inclined to, to do that. And I think the Cardinals, if they get that guy, they need to have somebody in place to develop those pitchers. If they get young pitchers, they better have people ready to develop those young pitchers. Hey, it is all-star break, so we don't have a ton of baseball to talk about. And so we're going to do Champions Week this week. And today we're going to celebrate the 1999 Super Bowl champion St. Louis Rams. Mike the Tackle Jones is going to join us at 845. We'd love to have your mic drops. I have told this story on the air before, and I will right now. It was close to this time of year. It was right at the start of training camp, and I was working at KMOX. And I said on the air, I, I was at the at the studio, and it was, what, how, how far away from Bush Stadium is the, the studio Gateway Tower? If we were in the same building. Uh, uh, not that far. Maybe no. like five-ish minutes yeah, if five you're minutes walking. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did the pregame show over at KMOX, and uh, the Cardinals were not great in 1999. McGuire was hitting home runs, but they weren't great. So I was talking a lot of football. And before the baseball game, I said, hey, St. Louis Rams had added Falk. They'd added Green. They'd added Martz. They'd added Holt. I said, they're going to go 12 and 4, make the playoffs. And I just, I saw this collection of talent and I thought that. And I walk into Bush Stadium, walk into the media lounge, and Jack Buck is walking out towards the broadcast booth and he says, Are you drunk? I said, No. <laughs> what do you, why do you say that? And he said, The Rams aren't going to win 12 games. I said, Well, just look. It's a, and Denver had won the year before with a collection of offensive players. And I said, Just look at the way the league is going. He said, I'll bet you. And I said, No, I don't want to bet. Well, I should have bet because they go 13-3. and three. <laughs> And obviously without Trent Green, but Kurt Warner becomes Kurt Warner. And it was unbelievable. So I want to know what you were thinking during the summer of 1999 and then during the start, during that 6-0 start. Have you ever been as turned on by a sports team as you were by that one? Mike Drops uh, with the 101 ESPN app. We'll use those throughout the course of the show. It's Champions Week here on 101 ESPN. And we're going to talk to uh, Mike Jones of the Super Bowl champion Rams here on 101 ESPN. But coming up... Which young star player that the Cardinals had and don't anymore? Gallen, Arozarena, uh, Louis, well, Garcia. Uh, are we really putting Louis Robert in there? Oh, people are. Hey, did you see social media last no, night? I did people not. are yes, Randy, I'm bringing just gonna, it up. Why are leave a chance so to trigger? Yeah, I'm gonna, you think I'm going <laughs> to leave a chance to trigger the okay. dumb ones? We'll, we'll tell you why Louis Robert was never, ever, 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 ever going to be a Cardinal next on 101 ESPN. 
You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Final 20 seconds, he's at 25. 26 out to left for Rosarena. Left center field, and it is off the top of the wall. 27 for Rosarena. There goes number 28, just squeaks over the wall. Time running out, 29. It'll count if it goes. Second deck, number 30 for Randy Rosarena. farmhand Randy Rosarena was spectacular last night in the Home Run Derby, but he wasn't the only one. Former Cardinal farmhand Adolis Garcia also participated in the Home Run Derby. He'll start tonight in the All-Star Game. And Luis Robert of the White Sox, who the Cardinals were finalists with the White Sox to sign, also participated in the Home Run Derby and did really, really well. And Brooke, you were telling me that uh, the the social media last night was a a Twitter, as it were. It was fluttering. Yeah, uh, over the performance of uh, would have been Cardinal Luis Robert. I just saw people, and this is why I brought this idea up for this segment, is because I want to know from fans and from everybody in this room, which one makes you most upset when you're looking at it, where you're like, the Cardinals really lost out on this. Randy Rosarina, Adolis Garcia, where they didn't evaluate the talent, even putting in their Zach Gallon, because that's another name being brought up. But I kept seeing Luis Robert bring, being brought mm-hmm. up over and over again. And I wasn't here for when that happened, but I was able to read up on it a little bit last night. So let me get this straight. The White Sox offered him a signing bonus of over $20 million. $26 million, yes. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a lot yeah. of money. I don't know if he ever would have been a cardinal then, well, because it, then how much more is that? I, you hear that signing bonus, but you were explaining it's it's quite more than that. Because both the Cardinals and the White Sox have gone over their international spending limit, there is a, a framework for the ability of major league teams to go over the the spending limit, but they have to pay a dollar for dollar tax. So the White Sox, in signing Luis Robert for twenty six million dollars paid 52 million. If the Cardinals would have said, you know what, we're going to blow you out of the water. We're going 30, then the Cardinals would have had to pay 60. Everything else being equal, Robert said two things. Number one, he was influenced by the fact that the White Sox pursued him very, very hard. He said they put pursued him from the time he was 14 years old until the time he signed when he was 19. Wasn't but the Cardinals also were pursuing him for a long time. The, so it was a lot Cardinals of back were, and forth right. between the two. The advantage that came down to was that the White Sox had fellow Cubans, Jose Abreu and Yoan Mancada, who were part of the pitch. They also had his off-season workout mate, uh, uh, Michael Yanoa, who had worked out with him during the off-season. And in the video presentation that they took down to the Dominican to present to Luis Robert, they had their Spanish-speaking manager at the time, Rick Renteria, saying, we need you, and if we have you, we're going to win. The Cardinals' manager at that time was Mike Matheny. And while a stand-up guy, he wasn't speaking Spanish into the camera and saying to Luis Mm -hmm. Robert, we need you. That makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, if you sound like the, the White Sox went all out, like they, yeah, they, yeah. they they tried everything that they could. Every to get tool him. in their toolbox. Yeah. Right. And so Cardinals fans being upset about that, I don't think that you should. Uh, they probably I, not one you should be upset. About. Actually, and everybody in baseball said that it came down to the Cardinals and the White Sox. 
that's one of the s- situations where uh, the Cardinals did not do a bad job in being in second place. They just they missed out. Now, they blew it with Randy Rosarena. That's you, the one. Yeah, and, and here, here's the thing. The Cardinals have all these Cuban guys and potential Cuban guys, and they never make it to the majors for all the money they spend. Why hasn't Randy Rosarena gotten a legit chance? Cardinals had him in the minors for yeah. years. Why didn't he get a legit chance? Why didn't they give Adolis Garcia more of a chance? What if Johan Oviedo turns out to be a really good player? I don't know why the Cardinals are spending all this money in Cuba if they're never going to use the guys at the major league level. That's a great point. And this is what I was saying during the break is there had to have been more with Randy Rosarena than that video getting leaked, right? I think we all think that, which did anybody ever confirm if that was even part of the reason? The I Cardinals think that was just denied it. Exactly. And so I think a lot of us are assuming that because what else happened that really led to that? Here's what I think. Go back to our conversation with A.J. Pruszynski last week when he said, I walked into the Cardinal Clubhouse and it was the nicest group of guys in the world. It, very businesslike. We've mm. all been in the Cardinal Clubhouse. We know how the players act in the Cardinal Clubhouse and there is a Cardinal way. And this isn't anything new. It's been this way since at least the 80s when I was uh, covering the team on a daily basis. And Rex Hudler came in, and Rex Hudler is an energetic, high-energy, fun guy and was told by some of the veteran players, hey, we don't act that way here. And Randy Rosarena is an energetic, passionate, charismatic young player, and I don't think he fit the Cardinal personality. Now, when you sign a Latin American player, should you expect that personality? Yes, Foolish of the Cardinals to think that he wasn't going to act that way. And by the way, it's fun and entertaining and awesome and great. He should act that way. But I wonder if the personality overrode the potential for what happens on the field. When when you have people saying they have a locker room full of good guys, that's a it's not a good that's not no, a good thing. No, it's like it, it's a similar to saying, "Oh, well, is she is she cute? Is she hot? she's really smart, bro. Like she's really she's she's <laughs> got a great personality. She's great personality. That, that's it's not what I asked you, <laughs> but you, you're giving me the answer without giving me the answer. So that's essentially what AJ was saying. This is a great group of guys, but not those not that. I, maybe not player fin- friendly for certain types of players, meaning guys that have flair, guys that have um, excitement or, or mm-hmm. energy, just kind of ho-hum, go about your day and, and then go home. And this may not have been a great place for Randy or Rosarina to be if, if because you see the, the passion in which he plays with, with which a lot, in, a lot of Latin players play with. That's may, that, that may not fit well in this clubhouse. Do you think that they just kind of see it as you look at some of the other organizations that have been around for so long? The Yankees, you still have, you know, their rules when it comes to facial mm-hmm. hair and even hair that they just kind of see like, well, we're not, you know, they're not changing their standard. Why do we have to change our standard? I just think that in sports, you need somebody that plays with a high level of joy. I think that's one of the reasons that the Yankees traded for Harrison Bader. I know it's one of the reasons that they signed Nick Swisher. When they won in 2009, they're, they're at that time, newspapers were a thing, and their locker room was thought of as a briefcase Wall Street Journal locker room. Mm. And just totally business-like, and guys would go in, open their briefcase, open their, uh, read their Wall Street Journal, and they wanted somebody to stir it up a little bit. And I think that's part of what you need now. Uh, the Dodgers, when they had Yasiel Puig, Dave Roberts really embraced that. And that was part of what made them really good at the time. I think Mookie Betts now brings that sort of energy and joy to the game. The Cardinals, uh, I'm not saying Arenado doesn't, but 
a guy like Arosa Reina brings it to a different level. And I love the swagger that Arosa Reina plays with when he makes a catch at the wall. Mm-hmm. He'll stand yeah. there. Or uh, the boots. Or even yep. the right. way that he even brought out the boots again yeah. last night. It's just you can tell when somebody is allowed to be themselves. And that goes with any profession, right? Mm-hmm. And not just in sports. But I feel like it helps even more in sports where they're allowed to be that personality, who they are. Then they're able to do the other things that they do well that got them to this point. And I do want to point out that I, I say this now as we sit here on 7-Eleven of 23. I do think that 2020 hindsight is a wonderful thing to have because even the other night on the draft, I'll mention this again, Dan O'Dowd, former Rockies GM and uh, their draft expert who are both talent evaluators, they said when the the trade was made, what are the Rays doing in giving up Matthew Libertor? They didn't think that Randy Arozarena, these are professional baseball evaluators, didn't think that Arozarena was going to turn out like he has. So almost all of us, 99% of us, uh, and I would say 100% of us that uh, didn't see him play didn't know that he was going to be this good. No, and that's why it's just so weird to me. It was one video. I'm like, there yeah. had to have been something else that happened. Surely it wasn't because they just thought that he wouldn't turn into anything. Again, I would hope not. I would rather it be, honestly, because of the video, which would still be silly and small, but I'm saying I'd rather that be the reason than they just didn't think that he would amount to something. And if I'm the Cardinals and I'm pursuing other players, I want to see Mike. I want to see that Mike Schultz out there. I, I I'm not bothered at all to see Mike Schultz fired up and talking about uh, showing some swagger. Actually, I think that's pretty cool, and I, I that's a, a thing that I would embrace if I were a franchise. I think Brooke hit it on the head. When you are allowed to be yourself in the locker room and the, on the field, you're going to get the best version of that player. When you have to kind of water yourself down to to be a version that fits the scheme or the the mm-hmm. ideology of a of an organization. You're not being yourself. You're not being authentic, and you're not going to give the best play you can give. And so I love guys that that everyone is different. That's the beautiful thing about a locker room. You got guys that are, Mm -hmm. you know, one way this way, one way that way, but we're all here for one common goal, and we all come from different backgrounds, different upbringings, and we all have the same mindset, and that's to win games. That's what makes a locker room beautiful. It's not we're all the same person, we all do the same thing every single day, and we all go the same way when we leave here. That does that's not a locker room. That's that's a machine. That's a factory. Yeah. And let me go back in one minute here. I want to say this because the original premise of this, which former Cardinal that's in the All-Star game bothers you most that he's not here? It's Zach Gallen. I'd much rather have Zach Gallen than Rosarena or Garcia. Right now. So you're saying that you would redo that trade with Gallen and Alcantara with Marcelo Zuna? Oh, yeah, I would. Now, would I have done that in 2017 when Ozuna was coming off the gold gloves over Slugger season? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, and the Cardinals desperately it, needed a bat. Was it when he climbed the wall and the ball fell about 20 feet short, <laughs> 20 <laughs> yards short? You're like, that's right. How did this guy win a gold glove? How this guy win a gold glove? I mean, nobody could have predicted that it was that much of it. It would be that oh, no. much of a drop-off no. when, he, when he went to St. Louis. No. No. It was it was a dramatic drop-off. It was bad. But I, I know, and hindsight is always 20-20. So you look at that and you say, okay. Okay, well, you know, you got Marcelo Zuni. You couldn't have predicted that would have happened. But then you see the ripple effect of now. Man, you would love to have Gallon well, and Alcantara. Think about what the rotation would look like with those guys. But you'd like to have the Alcantara and Gallon that Miami and Arizona have based upon the way the Cardinals have developed young pitching. Would those guys have turned into those pitchers here That's in St. Louis? the million-dollar question. Yeah, or $50 million, oh. or $60 million. <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN, the Cardinals will start the second half with what appears to be a relatively easy schedule. We're going to talk about that and more with Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your 
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Rick Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN, and we go to the celebrity line. And our friend Stan McNeil of Cardinals Magazine joins us as he does quite often during the baseball season. Stan, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. Well, we made it made it through the first half. Looking forward to the second half. It should be interesting. We just heard Nolan Arenado say that he expects the Cardinals to improve based in part on the schedule, but it's really interesting. The Nationals obviously are really struggling. Then you've got the Marlins, the Cubs, the D-backs, the Cubs again. It really isn't as easy a schedule as we would like to think it is. No, but if you look at it, it is easier, easier, quote, end quote, uh, than the first half, if you ask me, because you don't have that long trip to the West Coast. And uh, as exciting as the trip to London was, I mean, that, that was a big hurdle to, to clear, in my opinion. I mean, that was some, some serious travel. They made it through that. So, uh, you know, they just – and really, the opponent, to me, isn't as important as just how they – how the team plays. You know, if they play – up to their ability, they can play with anyone. We know that. So, uh, But, no, I see the schedule as being a little more favorable than it was in the first half. After dealing with that first half of the season, how would you describe it? Best way that you would describe it? Disappointing. <laughs> Underachieving. Yeah, it was not uh, – I don't think uh, there's really no way you can color it in a, in a positive light. I mean, there were some uh, – you know, some positive, there were some bright spots individually, but in terms of the team, the record, you know, we figured they'd be uh, like 15 games over 500 at this point, not 15 games under 500. Do you think that, um, with that being said, obviously disappointing, not measuring up to what we thought it would be, do you think that there's going to be some shakeup going on uh, once the second half begins before the trade deadline? I think we'll see something. You know, the one thing that I will say we'll see is a better second half than we saw in the first half. I mean, and that, I'm just basing that on, say, the past five, six seasons. You know, if you go back 
every the past five or six years, every second half was pretty exciting. You know, even 18, that's right when uh, Schilte had taken over. So the team kind of cleaned up and played well the second half. 19, we had Jack Flaherty's great run that uh, took them all the way really to the NLCS. 20, when you think about it, three years ago, they weren't even playing at this point, you know, because of the COVID season. So that was uh, a different kind of second half. And then uh, 21 brought the long winning streak. And then last year, uh, we had the magic of uh, Albert Pujols. So I'm pretty confident we're going to have, you know, the second half is going to be pretty pretty fun to watch. With that shakeup, do you think it'll be something notable? We've heard maybe you get Arenado, maybe Goldschmidt. Do you think it'll be that big, or are we looking at, you know, maybe some of the guys that are going to be unrestricted free agents next year in Jordan Hicks and Jack Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery? Yeah, I would be surprised if it's Goldie or uh, or Nolan who who gets moved by the deadline. I'd be quite surprised at that. But yeah, the the guys that are going to be uh, free agents in the off season, it just seems to make sense to kind of see what you can get for for them now. You know, if you can get a get something good for them now, there's nothing to say you can't go back and try to re-sign them in the off season if that's what uh, you decide to do. Stan McNeil of Cardinal Magazine with us on 101 ESPN, and you can go to cardinals.com slash publications and check out the magazine. And on the latest issue, Nolan Gorman is on the cover, a great piece about Nolan Gorman. We tend to forget, Stan, that he's only 23. Man, you look at the ability and think about what he can be once he is a, a polished major league player. He has tremendous power. What do you think he can become? What, what could Nolan Gorman be when he reaches his apex? I, I think we'll see him in the home run derby <laughs> at yeah. some point, you know, and uh, and and I would hope we do because uh, as we as you probably know, this is a guy who between his junior and senior year of high school went out on the showcase circuit and won three, you know, three home run derby, three national home run derby. So uh, he was uh, he was up for competing in this one. I guess he didn't have quite enough home runs to get uh, to get an invite, but. Uh, you know, this is a guy that, to me that's uh, 30 plus homers. I, you know, hopefully he can uh, improve the the contact ability some to to get the average up. But now he's got uh, he's got the power. And the other thing about Gorman that we see is just he's 23, but he's one of those guys that kind of carries himself as uh, as he's been around longer than that. He's very very calm when things are going good or bad. But uh, no. He's uh, he's a guy to watch for sure. To me, he's a he's a guy that's going to be in the middle of that lineup for uh, for quite a while. And by the way, we mentioned him as a first rounder. What is your first blush impression of Chase Davis, the Sunday night first round tro- choice of the Cardinals? Yeah, I mean uh, he's got history with Jordan Walker, so uh, that's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, this is a guy that uh, seems to have really come on the past couple of years. You know, the club had it eyes on him when he was coming out of high school from uh, Dylan Carlson's area kept watching him and uh, he's, he's improved enough and so yeah it's always exciting to get some new talent uh, talent on board and kind of see how how they rise through the system uh, you know it's funny to me because after about a week from now where you're drafted really won't matter I mean obviously the top guys well, you know, they. I think they get a little bit of a an edge or a little bit uh, more eyes on them. But uh, at some point, those guys get in there and they just uh, they're all you know Cardinals who were trying to rise through the system and where they were drafted doesn't really matter. Do you think that there's a high likelihood of us seeing Michael McGreevy or even Mason Wynn after the trade deadline? And which one do you think would be more likely? I think uh, that's a great question. I think Mason. I think we will see Mason up here. 
at some point during the season. Uh, McGreevy, you know, he's just been in AAA a, a, a little while, so that to me will kind of watch how he does over the next several weeks, and maybe he could get a, a shot in September. But yeah, there's we could see uh, who knows who we might see on the mound uh, after the trade deadline. By the way, Stan, the late great Chris Duncan was drafted in the first round in the same year that Albert Pujols was drafted in the 13th. I always used to give Dunk trouble about <laughs> not being as good as Albert Pujols. So you're right. Where you're drafted doesn't matter at all. Not once you, once you sign and get to camp, you know, everybody's the same. You know, I, I would imagine some of those uh, later round draft picks, uh, they like to go after the early guys, you know, and, and really like, hey, I can compete against this guy. Right. And by the way, Chris Duncan said we knew right away <laughs> when we showed up. We knew right away who the first rounder should have been. You know, we're uh, we're working on uh, we're fin- putting the finishing touches on our yearbook, which is focusing on uh, the career of Albert. Pujols, the legend of five, and uh, you know we're proofing kind of the pages, and we've got kind of a year by year look at his first eleven years in St. Louis plus his last year. And uh, every time you look at these pages, you just kind of shake your head and think, "Man, this guy was even better than we thought." So uh, it's uh, people are really going to enjoy that yearbook. And again, folks can just go to cardinals.com/slash/publications and check it out when when that's out. And a great job as always with the magazine. Stan, thanks so much for the time. We always enjoy talking to you, and have a great day. And let's have a great second half. Let's Thank do you. it. That is Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. That number is 314-399-9646. If you use the little uh, the letters on your phone, 314-399-YOHO! Take it or leave it is coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Matthew Rocchio, Brooke Grimsley, and Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. It is time for Take It or Leave It. Interesting note from Michael Lombardi, former NFL executive who was on the Pat McAfee Show, and this reported by Sports Illustrated. Lombardi said that the Los Angeles Rams tried to trade Matthew Stafford, who won them the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. He said they used a lot of effort. He said when his option bonus was getting ready to kick in, they attempted with a lot of effort to trade him. Any team could have had him. Problem was you had had to absorb the $59 million and the Rams knew there was no way around the $59 million. They couldn't get around it unless they traded him and somebody else took it, and obviously nobody else did. Take it or leave it, you are not surprised that the Rams tried to get out from under the $59 million of their Super Bowl winning quarterback. No, thank um, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that. at all. No. No. Yeah, uh, they, they got what they came for. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure the fans did too. Yeah, yeah. They, they they came for a, a championship and they got it. And now, yeah, yep. see you later. All right, one more take it or leave it. You're surprised that Stafford didn't go to a team that needed a quarterback. Who needs one, though? But, who, who but is this, in, time, who this is, was early in the offseason before Rodgers yeah. got moved. Yeah. There's plenty of the, teams. New York wasn't going to take him. Uh, the Jets, the or the Giants, they were going to resign Danny Dimes. The uh, Vegas, Raiders? Vegas wasn't going to take him. They, 
they just got rid of 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 Derek Carr, mm-hmm. and you know that, that Derek Carr. But I they think got is, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, but I don't think that they were looking in that direction. He's an older player, getting older. Mm-hmm. Stafford is. It's not really a team off the top of my head that is in dire need. The Rams are in dire yeah, need of a yep. quarterback. What the hell are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> they had John Wofford starting yeah. last year and Bryce Pickens, Perkins. How about the Titans? They are. They the Titans rip. always need need a need a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, how old is he? Thirty five. Yeah. No, can we the Titans? Can we be done with like? Is old. There's He's no still got arm talent. <laughs> the hell are we doing here? Yeah. Quarterback. I mean, that's a young man. Oh. If he was a running back, he'd be old as dirt. Fifteen <laughs> years in the game, but quarterback? It's not old. $59 million, that's what it is. That's what the problem. Is. Yep. And nobody got to take him. So we saw uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. win the home run derby last year. His father had obviously won it in his career, during his career. His father was a nine-time All-Star, MVP, Hall of Famer. Take it or leave it, Jr. does not – Jr. is a three-time All-Star mm-hmm. right now. One-time Silver Slugger. Dad did it eight times. Jr. does not quite – Make it to the level of senior. I'm going to take that, yes. Yeah. I'm going to take it, too. Yeah. He's going to be really, I mean, that's that's a lot to do. He got, I mean, he got time. Yeah. He got some time. But he's at three-time three time All-Star right now. He's got uh, he's got some years ahead of him. Man, maybe. But I don't think so, either. Yeah. His senior, daddy was. He was fierce. Man, he, yeah. he, he hit one, a home run that, like, bounced to the plate. Then I see that. that oh, I'm yeah, not mistaken uh-huh. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like. He hand eye was uh he would he, swing at pitches that were way yeah he, way out of the yeah, strike zone like right? why the hell are you swinging at that the old line was you, <laughs> you didn't walk off the island all right take it or leave it guys I'm also gonna go with MLB All Stars my theme so you know how they always do the miscellaneous questions during the All Star questions and they went to Nick Cassianos and they asked him who's your favorite superhero and he said it was Scooby Doo. Take it or leave it. I agree with him because of the way he explained it. Just because of the way he explained it, CD. Stick with me. Saying, first off, well, he's a dog who can talk. It can help people by solving mysteries. He is a superhero. It's true. Yes. I'm going to leave that. Now, is he my favorite? Probably not, but is he a superhero? A hundred percent, absolutely. There's something. There's something. He doesn't have any. uh, He can talk, but so could the animals in Doctor Doolittle. It's not a, it's but not but a, did they help solve mysteries? Mysteries, right? I, don't know. I mean, with that group of kids, those uh, those what what the oh bad my guys gosh, what them? did they call them? Those uh, whatever the pesky <laughs> oh, kids, meddling kids, meddling yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. Would they have been able to solve as many crimes if they don't have Scooby? No, he's a superhero. I mean, if you think about it. It's all Batman's doing is solving crimes. Like solving mysteries. He's, he's a, a hero. He's, he's, he's a superhero. He's, yeah, yeah, he's so here's just a, saying, he's, whoa, 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 whoa. Which detectives? See, now you're getting he's into the, the world's weeds. greatest Hold detective. On, because there are people that don't think Batman is really a superhero. He's a rich man with a lot care. of don't, money. You don't come at Batman that can, like that. I, I'm just that's a hill to die on, Rock. Some people don't think that Bat he has no real superpowers. He's the world's greatest detective. He has no real. He has a lot of money. Bruce Wayne, for those that don't know, sorry. He did a lot of training, but he did a lot of training. He did a lot of training, CD. Yeah, he's yeah. not. Uh, Superman he went to is, a mountain. A, is a hero. Oh, okay. Superhero. Well, so is Scooby-Doo. I'm with Nick Cassianos on this one. Wonder Woman, Scooby-Doo. Those are the top <laughs> Can I get one more? Take it or leave yeah. it. 
Vlad Jr. and Vlad Sr., greatest sports father-son duo? I'm going to leave it at the moment. Get this because did we oh, we did do this. We had a whole. Uh, <laughs> we did were they on the? Uh, we did a whole. Were they on the? Yeah. We, did, like a, yeah. we did families yeah. though. We didn't do yeah. we, necessarily well, father didn't and son. Barry and Bobby win though. By I think Barry and Bobby won. Substantial margin. Barry and Bobby greater Bob's. than than oh, Vlad yeah. and. No question. Well, think so. Well, yeah. Barry is Barry. Barry, but that's because Barry is carrying. Yeah, he's carrying. Bobby's well, pretty good. He well, is. Bobby's pretty good. Like seven time All Star. Yeah. Yeah, Barry is is Barry. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what do we got on the old text line here? Take it or leave it. There would be a lot less angst towards the front office if DeWitt held a press conference outlining the next steps for the franchise. I will take that. I'm leaving. Absolutely. I don't think it matters if he. I mean, will it uh, will it appease the mob for a day or two? Sure. See, here's the thing. They want us to hold them accountable. If somebody goes up to the podium (laughs) and says, "I'm accountable," buck stops here. It's on me. Then uh, they get what, their wish. Then what do you have to say? Well, like, okay, then it, there's the accountability. I'm sure in their mind they see it as you give more material for people to work with to pick oh, apart. Right. Like and, we, and, like us media folks love to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well and it's, maybe somebody needs to point out that no team wins every single year. No team wins. Every I don't think year. that's the message that needs to be said. Can no. you imagine? If, can you imagine <laughs> if DeWitt goes up there and says? You know what? Not everybody wins. I mean, ever we're not going to win everything yeah. all the time. Or and you, how that message would go over, oh, people here, would here's the, lose it. They, they would. Here, here's the play then. What he needs to do is have a ceremony before a game. And every single player gets a ring and they just pr- bring out a big trophy and say, okay, we're winning this year. We're champions. We are champions. we said it. Yep. We're Central in Florida. Our, in our own mind. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Deal with it, people. That's so good. Wow, there's a lot of... I did not expect a Batman take from Carrie. Hey, wait, somebody brought up Ninja Turtles. That's a great one. He's not necessarily a superhero. I'm just going to stand on that. There, There are... There are some people that are in the DC and Marvel comic book world that will agree. He's a rich man, as is Iron Man, that can create a suit. Uh, somebody Tony brought Stark. up Tony Stark. He's a, he's a rich man Iron that man. can create a, a, a suit that allows him to do special things. He has no superpowers. But the Dark Knight Superman was one of the best movies ever. Yeah. Oh has my god, powers. But like Batman, like can go less impressive. really fast and no. all this cool stuff. So that's more that's impressive. Cool. You can't die. Then I'm not impressed with you do, doing stuff that's like. Why? Your You're life. a superhero. Man. You're not su- go- supposed to die. Superman's boring. Oh my gosh. Take it or leave it. The, bl- the Cardinals are better <laughs> off buying than selling for next season. Yeah, I'll take that. Because I, I really honestly don't think that from a talent standpoint, they're that far away. I think they're closer to being a winning team than a losing team. Like the White Sox a few years ago. I thought the White Sox, rather than tear things down, I think I thought they should have built things up. And the Cardinals just don't have it in their DNA to tear things down. So, yeah, I do think that the Cardinals would be better off find, trying to find that number one starting pitcher and then implementing a plan so that they have really good fundamentals. So just punting on this season. Yeah, yeah, they can do that. They, 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 they so so gone. so if Bill DeWitt comes out and said, "Yeah, we're going to punt on this season. We're going to be sellers at the trade deadline. We're going to focus all of our energy for 2024." 
What do you think this text line would look like? I think that'd be great. I, I think that that would be better, honestly, yeah. because it's you just, think that the, you think as that long these as they're going to go out and get pieces to actually back that up, then you, the I, angry mob. Would, would you rather okay hear that, or we're eleven and a half games out, we're fourteen games under five hundred, but we're going for it? I want to know. Uh, <laughs> it's so far gone. I, at I this know point. that this season is. I, I'm a realist. Like I haven't. Yeah. I told you all. Eighteen. You got to win eighteen well, of the next twenty for me. Here's the thing, CD. Uh, ballpark fan and Twitter fan are two different animals. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't, right? couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah the, uh, yeah, the the Twitter fan probably is not a season ticket holder. So when I go to the ballpark and I'm around the ballpark fans, they seem to have a different understanding of baseball. Now, do they approve of losing like this? No. Mm-hmm. But they also aren't saying, oh, this is the worst thing ever because they're... They're they understand that this is a long play. They, they don't they they know that you can't win every day or even every year because they've been to games for thirty years and they've enjoyed nineteen eighty five and eighty seven and oh four and oh six and eleven and and thirteen. But there's also a reasonable understanding on the part of many of those fans that I talk to that hey uh, you 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 have to really enjoy the championships and the great seasons that you have because the reality of the situation is it's hard to do and we know that and i think you guys you and carrie would agree i think we saw blues fans change their tone when they got answers during that when you know mm-hmm. army kind of came out and said this isn't about the coach this is about the players here are the problems here are what we hope to do better i think there was a change in tone around the blues fans at that point yeah and, and that's what I think would happen with the Blues. Really quick, one last take. Take it or leave it. Kerry keeps saying there are people, but it's it's him. Kerry's the people. I'm people. Yeah. <laughs> You're the people. I take it. don't agree that Batman is a superhero. He's a man with a lot of money and has a lot of gadgets. Which is not a bad thing. Nah. I, I mean, it I'm, worked out. It, it did work out for him, but he's not necessarily a superhero. Hey, thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, Katie Wu says she doesn't think the Cardinals see themselves as sellers. We'll hear from her and... Wonder if that's realistic. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. I do not think the Cardinals have fully convinced themselves that they should be sellers because of the division. And to me, that's a mistake. I'm not advocating to just give up and stop trying, but I think there is a way to salvage the rest of the season and punt on the next two months so they can set themselves up to contend in 2024. Look, when you look at this roster, it's clear they should not be underperforming this much. I'm not talking about the pitching necessarily, but the roster overall. They have the pieces they can. They need to be competitive. It's just a matter of finding where they fit. And right now, there's a bunch of positional log jams. We've talked about the outfield. We talk about the middle infield. That's maybe complicating the matters a bit in terms of roster production. That's Katie Wu of The Athletic on BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. And the Cardinals, I believe in large part because of coming back from 10 and a half down in 2011, 
still believe that that's something that can happen, even though that is the rarest of instances. As a matter of fact, that was the rarest of comeback instances when the Cardinals came back from 10 and a half. But because they did it, I sense that there's still a belief that they can. One of the things we have to keep in mind, though, about what happened in 2011 is that the Cardinals traded Colby Rasmus and they got they rebuilt their bullpen basically at the trade deadline. And they brought in Dotel and they brought in Rhodes and they brought in Zepchinski. And it was a completely different group in the last 65 games of the season than it was in the first 97 games of the season. I don't see that happening with this. I And if the Cardinals can do it, if Mo can find a way again to rebuild the bullpen and find somebody akin to Chris Carpenter to pitch down the stretch as a starting pitcher, then they would have a chance. I'm doubting that there's a Chris Carpenter walking through that door, and I'm doubting that the Cardinals can completely turn over their bullpen at the trade deadline. And that's why I think with where they are, with the rarity of what happened in 2011 and the lack of a Chris Carpenter being out there, I think they should be sellers at the deadline. I think they have. I mean, we've seen some really good performances by their starting pitchers as of late. I think they have potential to be really good. The bullpen is a, is an issue. We talked about it yesterday. Who do you trust in that bullpen? And I think we all came to the name Chris Stratton is really the the main one in the middle relievers that we trust the most. Um, Helsley getting back would be beneficial. Obviously, Gallegos and, and, and Cabrera have done a good job as well as Hicks. But that middle relief, because your, your starting pitcher is not able to go five innings, six innings, and when they get beat up early, you got to have some middle relievers that you can trust that can go in there and shut the game down. Um, and it all boils down to pitching for this team in this season. It has, from the start of the season, it has been really bad, starter to closer, and the amount of blown saves is ridiculous. So mm-hmm. if you figure out a way to get the pitching solidified, we understand that the hitters are are going to and have started to warm up. Hopefully Nolan Gorman can get back uh, to his hot ways, but it, it, I, I am in agreement with you, Randy. I, I don't have. A, I've seen enough this season to feel like it's not possible. It hasn't happened consistently enough for for this team to be successful. They're in a division where you really should not be this far back. You shouldn't be this many games under five hundred. And so, yeah, I don't have anything. I haven't seen anything that's given me enough evidence to say, okay, yeah, that's it. That's the turning point. I need to see a lot more wins when they get out of this all-star break or, yeah, punt on the season and get ready for 2024. That's what I think that they're going to do. It, it is very eerie how similar the situation is for the Cardinals and the Blues this year. One, that's just terrible for St. Louis fans. But I just keep mm-hmm. thinking about that, about how there's so many similarities. The one difference, I think, though, is that I don't think that they would part with their stars. I'm talking about Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko as opposed to like a Paul Goldschmidt and right. Nolan Arenado, which say, I know that those are two right. different levels of people. I'm just saying but like, you were also going to lose those guys. Exactly. Anyway, because you didn't have, you had the cap in the NHL yes. and you'd already signed Kyrou and Thomas. I'm just saying some of the core that you had from yeah. that 2019 Stanley cup run. I don't think that they, I, I think a lot of people were surprised by that, but you got to a certain point where Doug Armstrong admitted, we just knew that this team was what it was. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with the Cardinals, you would love to see another win streak, but I'm more in the path of believing what you said, which is you can't really believe what you see in the second half of the season. This team is what it is. I don't think that these are things that you can fix during the course of the rest of the season when it comes to fundamentals, the defensive miscues that we've seen, the pitching issues we've seen. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's something you can just fix in the second half. Now, let me tell you something. We're talking about being sellers. 
my preference would be that the Cardinals find a way to go out and get that number one starter at the deadline and go for it. Get a Dylan Cease. Get a glass now. Just go ahead and get yep. things acquainted and started. Right. Do that now. If they could pull that off, I would be a happier camper. If they if they think they're going to go for it, then really go for it. And do what you did in 2011, Mo. Go out and get yourself a middle infielder like you when, when you got Raphael for a call. Go out and get three or four new relievers. Go out and get a starting pitcher. Not an Edwin Jackson starting pitcher. Get yourself a, a number one starting pitcher and get a, a highly competitive individual into your room. A highly competitive individual that hates losing, that can change the culture of a clubhouse and i'm not saying that these guys don't like winning they everybody likes winning but they need somebody in there that gets upset and is bothered when they lose games because this team who walked in a few years ago the cardinals got somebody i'll think of it who walked into their room and said man i can't believe you guys are losing like this you guys are way better than this um and that was a Cardinals yeah, player? Yeah, it was. A, they made a trade or a pickup. And I wish I, I could think of who it was. Maybe it's the text line uh, off the top of And whoever it was came in and said that, and then they, they kind of bought in. Maybe they're just too businesslike. Yep. They just need they need a night out together. Was for the, well, not, not trying to condone that. Didn't AJ say that last week? He said something similar to that. Uh, last oh, week. He, came, no, he, um, he came into the locker room and he was like, you guys are all... How, yeah, how are you guys he, he losing told any games? They were nice, yeah, but it was somebody. I know who you're talking yeah. about. I, 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 I'm hearing it, but I can't. I John can't Lester. A, somebody said John Lester. But I think yeah. it was. I think it was Lester. Yeah, That's a good call. Yeah, yeah. You guys are better than this. John Lackey. Yeah, well, I, I don't hey, think why? it was Lackey. I think Lester sounds. Uh, yeah, a I think lot. it was Lester a few years ago. So you, I can't believe you guys are struggling this much. Yeah. I, and that's what I'm saying is like maybe they're too businesslike because you you go back to that sound from Nolan Arenado, him and Paul Goldschmidt are very businesslike. Adam Wainwright, how many times mm-hmm. have we heard when there's a trade or a change happen that they immediately go to that kind of mindset of like, well, this is a business at the end of the day, and I'm sure they feel differently, possibly internally inside as opposed to what they're saying to media. But when you start to get in that way of everything is so businesslike, you need somebody with that flair, that edge just coming in. I wanted to ask you guys. What do you think was so different about that 2021 Cardinals team and that and what caused that 17 game win streak as opposed to what we're seeing right now where you just know that that's not going to happen? The pitching kicked in and Tyler O'Neill got hot. Tyler O'Neill was ridiculous during that 17 game winning streak. And I think that was the, the big thing. You had the, the big boys going and then you add the other, the other impact bat and he was phenomenal. So I, I think that, and nobody expected, because when Mo made the trades, they just wanted to fill in innings. They wanted to make sure that uh, Johan Oviedo didn't set records for futility. And then all of a sudden happened, Lester wind up being a lot better than they thought they were going to be. Because it was Lester and who else that they brought in? Jay Happ. Yes. And, and I remember great. everybody was like, what in the world is happening? Yeah, and it was, that, those moves were made not to be good. Those were moves were made just to fill innings. So that there were a couple Second of young chances. Pitchers, Dakota Hudson, I think at that point had... He, he was kind of worn down, and they just wanted guys that would eat up innings so that they didn't have to subject their young starting pitching to what they were dealing with at that point. I think he, he, uh, when we talk about that, 
the 17 game winning streak and, and we talk about those are outliers those are not mm-hmm. normal situations and if the Cardinals feel that it is possible to do that again to repeat that history I, I don't I don't think that that I don't think it's going to happen I just don't I haven't seen I, well I have seen I've seen more than enough my fair share of games this season to give me proof as to why I don't believe it's going to happen they just they haven't, and that, I think that's probably the most frustrating thing about this team. You talked about it earlier. They got a core group of guys that 15-plus teams would love to have. We got it, but we don't have. We have the worst record in the Central Division. Good players that aren't playing well. That's that's troubling for me. Yeah, me too. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. By the way, Brooke Tyler O'Neill, September of 2021, uh, 100, and, uh, let's see, 130 plate appearances. He hit 13 homers, drove in 30, uh, 328 batting average, 377 on base, 731 slug, 1.108 OPS. He was the MVP of the league in September of 2021. Also, defense was pretty good. He was during a gold lover, yeah. And well, him, but also the defense was good during that time. Wayno was good. Who was the manager at that? Oh, oh, God, oh he's not here no. anymore. Oh, it was, it was, yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it was defense. Wayno O'Neill were all big during mm-hmm. that 2021 run. Right, right. But we were dealing with philosophical differences that would have helped us a lot more if we would have <laughs> put your pride to the side. Uh, that is today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a bird watch for you. Stick around. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. All right, it is time for Bird Watch here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy. CD, why don't you get things started here? There we go. Oh, oh no, we're changing, changing it up a little bit. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I I am in agreement with. There, there you go. Can't get one more. Because <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, I am in agreement with with Katie Wu that the Cardinals should be sellers. I think we have seen enough this season to understand. I mean, you you are granted it's the Central Division, and I know that this has not been a great division. It's not. Uh, no one is specifically running away with the division and you still feel like you can catch the Cincinnati Reds. Brooke, you talked about it, that the Reds are leading the league in first inning ERA. They they aren't great, but they got a young man over there that is great. And so they have some some pieces to the puzzle in Cincinnati. You're in the bottom of the basement in the Central Division, which is something at the All-Star break. I don't know if I've ever said that, Randy. I don't know that I ever recall being this bad, you know, this bad in in. in towards the middle of the season, all-star break, trade deadline. And so, you know Jack Flaherty is unrestricted. You know Jordan Montgomery is unrestricted. Jordan Hicks, I think you he's untouchable, even though I would love to see him walk less people. Don't want to see him go. But those two, you know, more than likely aren't coming back. If you can sign Jack Flaherty, cool. I don't know that Jordan is coming back. So, you're going to have some decisions to make here in the next couple of weeks with some of your pieces. You know that Paul DeYoung is is on a contract, and you got a guy coming up in Mason Wynn who is, by all accounts, a superstar. So you're going to have to start getting some of these younger guys opportunities to play every single day, bringing them up, sitting them on the bench is not going to be beneficial for you or for them. So this team, in my opinion, can I get one more, uh, Rock? Nope. Nope. A little splat. Nope. Yep. It's coming. It, this team, <laughs> it punt on the season. It, it, it's 
to me, yeah, it's mm-hmm. time to time to move move in a different direction and start filling the voids that you need for next season. Mm. My bird watch. Oh, she got a watch or a I got drop. a watch. I oh, got a watch go. because did you guys hear about this guy that the Cardinals drafted in day two of the Major League Baseball draft? Hmm. Have you heard about him? Quinn Matthews. Is it the 6'8 guy? Yes. Very, very lanky fellow, but a very interesting story. Quinn Matthews out of Stanford had thrown 156 pitches in a game this past season. Oh, I like it. So he's gotten a lot of uh, talk about that. Now, you might say, okay, well, that's a little concerning, Brooke. What about his arm? He actually, for one of his papers at Stanford, wrote about, um, I guess it's called the internal brace, which is gaining more popularity as it's a surgical procedure, and it's an alternative to the Tommy John surgery. So he wrote about that for one of his Stanford projects. But he finished the season with a 10 and 4 record, 3.75 ERA. He worked 124 innings, striking out 158 batters while walking only 40. I'm interested in the whole internal brace conversation. I am too. And I'm also interested to see how he reacts when he's never allowed to throw 100 pitches. <laughs> 156 I, 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 I wanna pitches see. in a game this season. That's, that's what I want, Randy. I, I want somebody. When Ali comes to get the ball, he just stares at him, and Ali makes it just over the first baseline and just turns around. He doesn't even yeah. come talk to him. Like, if you don't get the hell away from me, I know what number of pitches I'm at, and I know what I'm fake. Go away. Okay. That's what I want from my uh, starting pitcher. I, CD, I, I want that guy. Back in my day. Back in, okay, tell me about it, Randy. I'm, I'm intrigued. Nolan Ryan was throwing yeah. 230 pitches in a game. Yeah. And he was staring down managers that tried to get They didn't even bother coming out of the dugout because he they knew that he'd put them in a headlock. <laughs> and punch them like punch Robin Ventura. Like yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, what oh, that's what, that's what I get the hell out of here. Jordan Montgomery, you can do that, man. You man. just. If if they do start it. walking out, just stare him down and stare him back. And point to him. Point yep. back. Go back yep. to your hole. Yeah. Go back. Yeah. Get yeah. out of here. You aren't getting this ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's the guy I want yeah. on my staff. Hey, give me him. So in that, in that game, too, he struck out 16. Over a nine inning outing. He's Nolan Ryan. I, I'm just and I'm just saying. So I looked up his stats because I want to know how much he weighed. Because everybody's talking about how lanky and tall he is. Six foot five, 188 pounds. Okay, put some meat on those bones. He's kind of, kind of wiry. I want him to get. You know what? 188 pounds so, is six foot Brooke, five. Brooke, when the Cardinals traded um, Sandy Alcantara, he was six four and one ninety. Now he's six four and two forty. People get bigger what? when they do. when they yep. when they get older. They gain yep. weight. Yep. Oh, believe me. Yeah. I know. That's, <laughs> that's one of the beautiful yeah. things about aging. Yep. <laughs> so, guys, sure, I can only watch one Cardinal in the All Star Game tonight. Okay. But I also get the well, opportunity oh, yeah. to watch Adolis Garcia. Okay, I get the opportunity go. to watch Randy Rosarena. I get <laughs> yeah. the opportunity to watch uh, Sean Murphy, who should have been a Cardinal. <laughs> I get an opportunity to watch Luis Robert, who should have been a Cardinal. So I'm going to just treat it like I'm watching the Cardinals Zach tonight. Gallen? You, Zach Gallon, starting for out. the National League, was yeah. a former Cardinal. So mm, I'm, I'm just going to treat this Cardinals. Game. It's yeah. like the Cardinals. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to treat it like it's a Cardinal thing. Now, here's another thing that I need to point out to you. The leadoff hitter tonight for the American League is second baseman Marcus Simeon. The number four hitter is shortstop Corey Seager, both of the Texas Rangers. The number six hitter is right fielder Adolis Garcia of the Texas Rangers. The number eight hitter is Josh Young, third baseman, Texas Rangers. The number nine hitter is Jonah Heim, 
catcher. Texas Rangers. Last year, the Texas Rangers lost 94 games. Mm. And now they have five All-Stars and they're atop the the American League's Western Division. You can turn things around quickly. But and with I how kinda, much money? How much money did they spend this offseason? Actually, they spent the money last year. I, last I would argue, year? though, that the reason that they got better is because of guys like Jonah Heim and because of Josh Jung. It's it's not the people. And granted, they're pitching. Uh, they signed Jacob deGrom. Yeah. Not doing an awful lot for him. But it, it's Heim and, it, and it's Young and it's Garcia. It's younger players that are doing the majority of the damage for the Rangers. So I'm kind of excited about the fact that a team has turned it around. They, they lost 94, not 90, 96 last year. But if you look at their rotation this year, and it, it, it has been great. Sure, there was a lot of money spent on Jacob deGrom. But they have Dane Dunning, who's eight and two with a two point eight four. Martin Perez, who they brought back seven and three with a four point eight one. John Gray, who they gave the contract to last year, not a huge contract, certainly a manageable contract. Uh, he's got a three point two nine. Nathan Ivaldi, Brooks guy, yes, uh, ten and three with with a two point eight three. Even Andrew Haney, who the Cardinals had interest in, five and six with a four point seven one. It's not like they're starting rotation is making as much as the Cardinals starting rotation is. So go out and rebuild your rotation like the Rangers have. Allow your young players to play like the the Rangers have. And, oh, by the way, who's managing the Texas Rangers hmm. this year? I thought, thought old, you didn't old, think you'd get there. An old school people <laughs> person. Uh, so we were yeah. just going to skip right past yeah, that one. Can be turned around. And, but their pitching coach, by the way, is former Cardinal pitching coach Mike Maddox. Do you, can you somehow get him to come back? Yeah, probably not. But oh. I think you can. Uh, I, I think you can set yourself up to turn things around quickly if you are the St. Louis Cardinals. That's my point here. So enjoy your Texas Rangers tonight. Five of them in the starting lineup, and three of them are kids. And your Cardinals. And your and your Cardinals. Yeah, Zach Allen, Randy Rosarena, Nolan Arenado, Adolis Garcia. A lot of A's with the with this group. <laughs> So. Is there something there? Maybe there's some science behind that. A Rosa, Reina, Adolis, uh, Gallon, Zach, Gallon. Man, there's a lot of A's in these names. Wow. Hmm. So if you here's the point. You have a lot of uh, Nolan Arenado. So mm-hmm. he's, thank goodness, still around. But I guess the point is, is if you are a Cardinal that has a lot of A's in your name, forget it, you're gone. <laughs> you're not Wait, gonna... even for Nolan? <laughs> well, no, he's only got the one. Oh, okay. So we're, well, we're good. if you count his last name. Arenado. Nolan. Yeah, okay. He's got too many. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> That's too many. You're out. We can't have that happening here. Coming up, do you have a fighter, Matthew, for the fight? No, we need one. We need a fighter. Uh, so all you need to do is text in the word fight with your name to 314-399-9646. 314 The fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Drake. Drake, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? Doing wonderful. Are you uh, ready to take on Randy Carricker? I will do my best. All right. Nice. Here we go. 
Who is the only three-time home run derby champion? Is it Pete Alonzo, Jason Giambi, or Ken Griffey Jr.? Ken Griffey Jr. Which leads into our next question. Ken Griffey Jr. led the American League in home runs four times across a six-year span from 1994 to 1999. The other two seasons were led by McGuire with the A's and which other American League slugger? Is it Frank Thomas, Jay Buhner, or Albert Bell? Hmm. I'm just going to go with Frank Thomas. Happy birthday, Chopper, Al McGinnis. Which Hall of Famer did the Blues trade for McGinnis? Is it Ron Sutter, Paul Stasny, or Phil Housley? Oh, man. I'm taking out the second option. Peter Stasny, excuse me. Oh, Peter Stasny. Um... We'll, we'll still go with A. How about that? All right. <laughs> Happy birthday to St. Louis native and one-time world heavyweight heavyweight excuse me champion Leon Spinks. Besides Muhammad Ali, which other legendary heavyweight did Spinks fight in a title match? Is it Larry Holmes, Ken Norton, or George Foreman? George Foreman. All right, we'll double-check our scores and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Drake, how you feel? Oh, not so good. No? no. At least I get options. Is yeah. there a particular sport you were looking for? Yeah. Baseball. Baseball. Okay. Baseball. And that did not. Well, you got one or two. <laughs> well, yeah. I feel like everybody had a George Foreman grill at one point. No question. He does. You know, the Hulk, 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 Hulk Hogan turned that down. He, he, it could have been the Hulk Hogan grill. You mean Lou Ferrigno? No, the Hulk. Oh, no, I, I was thinking Hulk. <laughs> I heard Hulk in my head, and I was like, "Wait a second, no, we're talking or, superheroes." Or Hulk Grimsley. My no, <laughs> it would have been the Hulk Hogan moment, <laughs> but he turned it down in George Foreman. Because that's what I do with my headphones. Yeah, we're yeah. we're the same. We have the same biceps. There you Anyways. go. <laughs> Ready? Say hello to Drake. Drake, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Everybody loves the Drake. Right. <laughs> Randy, you ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Who is the only three-time home run derby champion? I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't because I'm not a big home run derby guy, as Anthony Stalter is well aware. Uh, Pete Alonso has won it twice. So Rock is not aware of that. He is now. Yeah. <laughs> um, three times. I'm going to go with uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Second question, Ken Griffey Jr. led the American League in home runs four times across a six-year span from 1994 to 1999. The other two seasons were led by McGuire with the A's and which other American League slugger? 1994 to 1999. So you got four Griffeys. You've got a Big Mac, which is probably 1996, maybe. Um, Griffey wasn't hurt yet, so let's see. Um... Um, let's see, Yankees. They didn't really have any sluggers at that time. Red Sox, Orioles, Rays, Jays. Um, I'll do the lifeline. I'll do the lifeline here so that I don't have to go through every team. Frank Thomas, Jay Buhner, Albert Bell. You traded Jay Buhner! Got a on him! So was it the Hurt when he won the MVP? which I believe was 1988, 
or was it Albert Bell when he hit the 50? I am going to go with the roided up Albert Bell. Whoa. Allegedly. There you go. Allegedly. Thanks for mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You got it. <laughs> Happy birthday to Chopper Al McInnes. Which Hall of Famer did the Blues trade for McInnes? That would have been Phil Housley in 1994, Janu- uh, July 1st, 1994. They made that. And then they also <laughs> signed Scott Stevens to an illegal contract <laughs> on that very same day. Phil Housley. Happy birthday to St. Louis native and one-time world heavyweight champion Leon Spinks. Besides Muhammad Ali, which other legendary heavyweight does Spinks fight in a title match? And by the way, the uh, the late, great Leon Spinks. Uh, I'm going to say uh, it's happy birthday to Leon, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, good. Because Michael's still with us. And yes. Still punching. Um, I'm going to go Larry Holmes there, Brooke. I'm going to go Larry Holmes. So I rattled the cage of, of Megamind unknowingly with a home run derby question. Did that get him off his game for the rest of the fight and allow Drake to slide in for a win? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. Well, Randy worked through the, the rough one on the first question and went through a clean sweep. He got the options on number two and still a 4-1 win. I'm sorry about that one, Drake. Hey, you know what? I got one. There it is. There you yeah, go. I like Drake. the positivity. <laughs> I love that. I, I love like that the positivity. positivity. Yep. Sounds like you're an advisor yeah, for certain front offices in St. Louis right now. Oh, Who was yeah. the only three-time home run derby champion and is, in fact, Ken Griffey Jr. Pete Alonzo was going to uh, tie him last night, but unfortunately came up short. Ken Griffey Jr. led the American League in home runs four times across a six-year span from 1994 to 1999. The other two seasons were, in fact, Mark McGuire and an allegedly... Uh, using Albert Bell when he did hit 50 right. in 1995. Right. I said allegedly. He had the rage going. Uh, <laughs> just him naturally, Randy. He's just angry. You never know. He, he's, the rage. He got hit by a pitch and decided he wasn't going to first base. No, I'm not going. And then he was at first base and then he ran over Fernando Vina. Ooh. Did you see him flatten uh, Fernando Vina? Yeah, that's 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 I'm not going. This guy's crazy. Uh, happy birthday to Chopper Al McKinnis. Who did the, which Hall of Famer did the Blues trade for McKinnis? It was, in fact, Phil Housley. And it's insane that I can make that question because there was just... Hall of Famers just kind of sprinkled around the Blues rosters yeah, throughout the late 80s good. and 90s. Just yep. They were all over there. And happy birthday to St. Louis native and one-time world heavyweight champion Leon Spinks. Beside Muhammad Ali, it was, in fact, Larry Holmes. He faced a few years after his win over uh, Ali, and he fell to Holmes in that fight. But Randy wins this fight with a 4-1 win over Drake. Drake, thank you again for joining the show and joining the fight today. Yeah, thank you, guys. Love the show. Thank you, thank Drake. You. Appreciate Good it. Great. Great. Coming up. Here on 101 ESPN, it is Champions Day, and one of our all-time great champions is one of Brooks' all-time favorites, the guy who <laughs> preserved... Mike Jones is a great guy. He is one of the great St. Louisans, <laughs> and he preserved a tie so that there wasn't extended misery for Titans fans in Super Bowl Thirty Four. Because the game would have gone to overtime, and then the Rams just would have won it then. Mike, the tackle, Jones, next on 101 ESPN. 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. First and 10 from the 27. Warner back to throw. Rainbow's the far sideline, and it is caught by Isaac Bruce. Makes a move to the 30, 25, 20, and they won't catch him today. Yes. Touchdown, Rams! Final play of the game. In regulation. Can he get in? No, he cannot. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. No lie. The game is over. The game is over. Now every Super Bowl should have an ending such as this. Down on the one-yard line, a terrific play call. Trying to give Dyson an opportunity to break a tackle. Mike Jones. It's Champions Week here on 101 ESPN with a vow to Titans fan, Brooke Grimsley, who's frowning right now, and former Steeler, among other teams, Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. We head to the celebrity line, and joining us now is another former Steeler and another Super Bowl champ with the St. Louis Rams, Mike Jones, one of my favorite St. Louisans. Good morning, Michael. How you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good. I know you never get tired of hearing Al Michaels say, and Mike Jones makes the tackle. Never. (laughs) (laughs) I I was telling earlier about how when you guys were in training camp, I felt really good about where you guys were headed. That was your third season with the Rams. You had brought in all this offensive talent. Your defense was already pretty good. What were you thinking, though, during training camp as things unfolded? I'll tell you what's funny. Uh... That summer, before we get to camp, you know, I'm playing a celebrity basketball game. Joe Torrey has a, a game every year. So we're talking, and we're at Hairstone, and they asked how we're going to do. And I said, I feel real confident we're going to make the playoffs. You could drop a pin in the doggone auditorium. <laughs> it was like, you guys won nine games in two years, now you're saying you're going to make the playoffs. And it just, and it, it was, it was just when we went through camp, when we went through mini camp, we had picked up a lot of guys. I mean, Adam Timmerman, without a doubt, I say this all the time. He was probably, the, the, to me, that year was, of course, next to the Hall of Famer, Marshall, was probably one of the best signings we had because he brought security and stability to that offensive line. And then, of course, we signed, uh, you know, Hall of Fame Marshall Falk. And, you know, I just thought we, we were really looking good. You know, we drafted well. Isaac was healthy. I mean, so we just felt that offensively in minicamp, it was just a totally different team. We thought we were solid on defense. We thought, matter of fact, we thought we were, we were a good team on defense. Uh, and 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 ironic. And the last thing was that it really helped us when we, we when we had to figure out who was going to be our middle linebacker. And between London uh, and Lorenzo uh, battling for that position, and Charlie Clemens, it just made our defense that much better. So. We we knew we had a you know good offense, you know, good defense. We knew, we thought we were going to be better on offense without a doubt, and we had some really good special teams. Mike, outside of that famous tackle here, infamous in Tennessee, what is another <laughs> moment that just really just stood out for for you from that Super Bowl run? You know what? Everyone says the same thing until you walk it. And Kerry Pike can tell you this: it's the journey, and I say this all the time. When you when you go through a Super Bowl season and all the things you go through. You know the ups and downs. You know we we were six and zero going into Tennessee. How ironic! Our first losses to the Tennessee Titans. We lose to Tennessee 
in the game, the first half, I mean, other than putting on a uniform, we didn't really do anything defensively, offensively, or special teams. And then we come roaring back and lose a game on a, on a field goal. You know, we missed a field goal, which we still complain about. He thought our guy got, got hit, but it is what he it did. Is. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, so, you know, it's, it's just ironic. And then we lose to Detroit, you know, a game that we were up. And that was the only game that year that we were up against the, you know, that's the Philadelphia, you want to count that. But that's the only game we were up in which we lost a game on the drive. They drove down the field and beat it. So, you know, it was just all the different things that, that we went through that season. You know, you know, everyone knows about the Kurt Warner story. And, you know, everyone knows about the trade that, you know, the best trade possibly in the NFL. You know, but just watching all the guys, you know, you see the Orlando Pace turning to really growing to his own. You see Dexter McLean. You see all these young guys, Torrey Holt. You know, that Isaac Bruce, you've seen, the, you know, the, the healthy Hall of Fame Isaac Bruce. All these different things, those are things you remember. You know, yes, the Super Bowl was great, and you remember the ring and the ceremony and all that, but it is watching and seeing a team grow into a Super Bowl champion. That's That was the greatest thing I thought. Mike, what was the point? Uh, for me, when we got to the Super Bowl, obviously the fanfare leading up to the week and you get to the game, uh, for me it was the opening kickoff where I realized, oh, we're, we're in the Super Bowl. You see all the lights flickering and we're on kickoff return. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, what, was there a point in that game where you realized, yeah, it's still a game, but it's the game? You know what? It was before the game. And I and I, I had played with a guy that actually played for Cincinnati when they lost to the 49ers, Joe Kelly. Mm-hmm. So Joe told me in the tunnel they had to give him a brown paper bag because he started <laughs> hyperventilating. So I'm like, man, come on, dude. We play. It's a, it's a game. And I am dead serious. While we're waiting before the game, I can feel myself like getting like I'm trying to hyperventilate. I'm like, I, I don't believe it. I'm doing the same thing Joe talked about. So, you know, but like you said, you know, until the kickoff, when you just run into somebody, it's kind of like wakes you up when you run into somebody, yeah. and then you realize it's just a football game. Hey, Mike, one of the underrated aspects of that team, and by the way, the 1999 St. Louis Rams have the greatest point differential of any Super Bowl champion in t- in history. The only team with a greater point differential ever was the 07 Patriots that wound up losing the Super Bowl. But I don't think people recognize, because of how prolific the offense was, how great you guys were on defense, fourth in the league and number one against the run. You know what? We, we, were, we were the number one defense going into – the Philadelphia game, and we played a half, and, and then we lose the number one ranking. So, but I mean, I, we knew we had a good defense. You know, London Fletcher uh, came in and, and did a phenomenal job. We knew he was a good football player. We didn't realize how good he was until he started. Until he started, and then you, you talk about Ty Light. You know, Ty Light was was a pro that year. We had the best defensive line. I was saying the NFL that year. The DeMarco had 10 sacks. Kevin led the NFL in sacks. So, I mean, we just had a good group of guys. We had a great back end. People don't realize this. Keith Lau at midseason may have been the best football player in the NFL. Hmm. And then he gets hurt. So, I mean, so we had a lot of good guys on that team that really played well that year. How ironic. The best year we have is the last year, I guess, the contract for for the Dome. It's the last year for a lot of guys that were that their contracts were coming up, so everyone kind of hit out the ballpark. Mike, I want you to tell two stories. I'm going to have uh, two separate things here. Number one, I want you to go back to 1998 and tell the story about how the guy sent you up to talk to Coach Vermeil. 
So, so <laughs> Coach Mill tell you this: every team he had, he almost had a mutiny on because he, you know, he, he believed in working guys that hard. So, I, I was a designated, you know, sacrificial lamb, for lack of better word. So, so whenever something go wrong, Mike, Coach Coach Mill, listen, to you, you go talk to him. So we had a team meeting, and they're talking. Now, this is the crazy part: we have a team meeting, so everyone's talking. You know, everyone's big and bad. And after the meeting's over, with, Mike, now you gotta go tell Coach Mill. <laughs> Wait a minute, man! Hey, all y'all, all you guys are talking all this stuff, but I'm the guy that gotta be a sec. So I walk upstairs, and, and everyone knows Rams Park. Coach Mill's office is in the is in the very back of the office, so you gotta walk by everybody. So it's almost like the death walk. So I'm walking in, and everyone knows knows I'm going to see Coach Mill. So you can see, it's, it's like people looking at you, their head kind of down, they're shaking their head like, oh, okay, this isn't going to go well. So I walk in, I'm like, Coach, uh, we got a problem. He's like, you got a problem? I was like, yeah, some of you guys are kind of they, they're complaining. We complain about, uh, you know, the, the length of the practice and all that. So you can see him getting a little upset. He's like, okay, I'll come down and talk to you guys. So I'm like, okay, that went better than I thought. So he came downstairs. And, and this is something that Coach Mill did different. And I, I think this kind of changed him. When he walked in, usually he walked, well, you know, those three, four steps you walk up, he walked up to the steps and he sat down on the steps. Like, okay, it's a little different. He said, okay, guys, what's going on? So, you know, guys thought that, you know, they didn't air it like we was doing in the team meeting. But they, you know, it, it, it was politically correct, if, if, you, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, he got, but they, they told him how he felt. He's like, okay, we'll, we'll cut back on some different things. And he, he cut back somewhat, you know, but he really didn't to the following the following year and then that's when he trusted the guy and, so, and, I mean but it, it, it was it was yes it was comical and it, and it, it was it, me walking up you know like I said guys putting the, the, the secretaries and the people working up front kind of putting their head down like this, this isn't gonna go well but it, it it worked out well I can't imagine and then you use the word the, the trust that he found trust in you guys and to me one of the biggest things and I don't remember who told me but it, they were shocked when coach told you guys that you could stay at home rather than be in a hotel for uh, Saturday nights for home games. What was that like for you when, when you realized, okay, he really trusts us? Well, well this is the thing. In training camp, and this is where it, I think it started. I got hurt. I hurt my knee. So I was out for a game. And, and you know, of course, you guys, you, right, when they, hey, Mike, go talk to Coach Mill, see if we can get the night out. So we were at the University of Illinois scrimmage against Indianapolis. So I'm walking up to Coach. And I walk up to him and say, Coach, can I talk to you? He said, okay, what's going on, Mike? I said, the guys want to know if they can have a night off. So he looked at me. He started walking. So I started walking with him again. He stopped, looked at me, and said, tell them they got the night off. <laughs> and and, that, and, that, and that's, kind of, that's where it kind of started. So we just, like I said, we kept pushing the envelope. We didn't always get everything we wanted. But, I mean, he really started trusting us, and, and that really helped us. Mike, it's those little things like a night off that send the team into a frenzy. Like you are so excited about a day off or or a time off of a practice period that people don't understand how hard training camp is, especially back then. To get a day yeah. off, to get some time off is like, oh, thank God. We are being yeah, exactly. smiled upon. Yeah, there you go. Like I said, like I said and I'll tell you what's ironic, Kerry, you say that. Because when I got – when I the guys I played for, I played for two old school guys. I put three of them. I played for RCM. Mike White, and then Coach Ramirez. So when I get to Pittsburgh, man, I thought I was in Club Med. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, we, have a, we have an hour and 15-minute practice from whistle to whistle, and I thought the guys were playing. I'm like, are you serious? He blows the whistle up, Coach Kyle. 
looking around like, okay, this is some kind of joke or something because I know the price is not over. And when we get done, I'm like, oh, man, I'm in heaven now. But, yeah, yeah when you play for old school guy, it, 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 you out there three hours and you're trying to figure out how to get through the next period and you get done in a hour, 15 minutes, oh, uh, yeah, you, you, you count your blessings. Mike, I just have to know, have you and Kevin Dyson ever talked about that tackle? Me and Kevin Dyson, this is crazy as it sounds. Me and Kevin Dyson are, are friends. Mm-hmm. We talk on the phone. We've done podcasts every year. We we talk about the play. You know, I, I've been, I had dinner with Kevin. I went to Nashville, and we sat down. And, and the, the funny thing is, I sit down in a restaurant, and Kevin's sitting there. You know, and everyone's looking at Kevin. And, you know, you see him whispering. And then, and then one time, wait, wait, just walked up and said, hey, uh, who is this you're, you're meeting with, Kevin? You said, oh, this is Mike Jones. If you could look in their face and, like, this ain't the guy that kept us from a Super Bowl. I'm like, and I'm just, like, shaking my head, like, this isn't going to go well. I, I, I said, Kevin, I can't eat dinner because I don't know what they're going to put in my food. But, you know, oh, uh, yeah, it, it was it – was, it, but Kevin and I talk probably three or four times a year. That's awesome. Mike Jones, thanks so much for the time. I love you, and always great to hear your voice and uh, glad to hear that you and the family are doing well. Hey, thanks a lot. And like I said, we still support the Mr. Johnson Foundation. Make sure everyone gets out and support them. We, we got an event coming up here soon. So you'll get the information from Randy and we'll go from there. All right. We'll talk. Thank you, Michael. Take right, care. Thanks. See Bye. you later. Thank you, guys. Bye. That's uh, Mike Jones. And one thing you can hear there, one thing about Coach Vermeil is he collected great people. Yeah. And, and that's part of being a great team. But there, there's a great story. I, I won't even, I, I'll just tell you this. The, that group of players is as good a group of people as you'll ever run across. And I'm right. sure that it was that way with your Steelers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just really good people. Yeah. Good people, good players. Better people than they were players. And we had some Hall of Famers on our team, as did this Rams team. You got guys that know what it takes to be professionals, to know what it takes to, to be champions and work your way through everything, through three-hour practices. <laughs> no, sir. Yeah. That's... That's madness. Yeah. <laughs> and also with the Music City Miracle, that was some of the best players ever. It's as a Titans fan, I still hold on to that hope. It was that's what has kept me a Titans fan for so long because that's what introduced me to sports is seeing literally some of the best football I've ever seen with the Music City Miracle and the greatest show on turf. Yeah, and when in our next segment, we want to hear your uh, reminiscences reminiscences of I like that word <laughs> of the 1999 <laughs> season specifically so you can leave us a mic drop we'd love to hear from you or a text 3143999646314399 yo but I also I want I want to go back to young brook and get your reaction when the tackle happened uh, that'll be next on 101 ESPN you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. All right, a couple of things. Number one, we're going to get Brooks' recollection of Mike Jones' tackle. I want to go back to a game on October 10th of 1999. The St. Louis Rams are 3-0, and San Francisco comes to town, and Warner hits Bruce for three first-quarter touchdowns. Isaac winds up with four touchdowns on the day. Rams win by a score of 42-20, to and they loved this. 
after losing to the 49ers 17 consecutive times. The Rams have the ball at the one-yard line in the final minute, and they take a knee. They show mercy on the 49ers. (laughs) They loved that. But I was so confident that that team was so good that we were season ticket holders. We tailgated, me and my friend Big Frank and Chicago Mark and the whole gang. We had a a large group that tailgated right across the street in the MAC lot. And I I picked up like a dozen champagne glasses and several bottles of champagne. I was so confident that they were going to win. It was a beautiful day. I can still see it in my mind's eye. And we came out after the game, and uh, we we had 20 people clinking champagne glasses after the Rams had just trampled San Francisco. (laughs) It was just awesome to be a fan of that team. And it was obviously great when Mike Jones made the tackle to preserve. It was 23-16. It didn't preserve a win. It preserved a tie. Although... Fisher says he would have gone for two. I don't think he really had the guts to go for two. Yeah. No. Uh, I, not in the Super Bowl. Not in the Super Bowl. That is and a they, lot. And, that, they, that, yeah. that and, and they had momentum. They, yeah. they, they did have momentum, but the Rams still would have won. Okay, so young Brooke Grimsley becomes a fan of sports during that Titan season with the Music City Miracle against Buffalo and the, the advancement. And Jeff Fisher... He had swagger at that time, called uh, Jacksonville their home away from home and stuff like that. He did. So how heartbreaking was it for you when the Rams won that game? Well, so I was in elementary school during this, but this was when my fandom of sports really started to take shape because I was playing tennis. I love tennis. And then my dad, as I've told you guys, is a giant Titans and Tennessee Vols fan. So Tennessee, very similar to St. Louis around that time, things were fantastic sports-wise. You had the Vols winning the 1998 national championship Mm -hmm. and then you had everything with the Tennessee Titans the Music City Miracle I remember very specifically my dad getting super dressed up if you look at like old Titans fans you know like how they would dress up they wore the flame heads Mm -hmm. he put on the face paint or the war paint and everything so I remember being like so entranced and being like man this sports thing is pretty fun and then also understanding Steve McNair was a legend in Tennessee, an absolute legend. I remember in first grade, which is around that time of the Music City Miracle, we started to, that's when you're learning to write and read. And Mm -hmm. I remember we practiced writing letters to Steve McNair. So that's when I started to understand. I honestly, though, I remember somewhat of the frustration from, me is remembering like more of like my father's reaction. I remember the frustration and hearing about all the frustration with the Super Bowl and specifically that tackle with Mike Jones. I Everybody in Tennessee knows who Mike Jones is. So when I first met him in St. Louis, I was really nervous because I was like, oh, my God, this is this is this is the man who just like crushed all of our Super Bowl dreams. But you know what I remember the most during that time is the lateral pass. I remember Mm -hmm. everybody talking about that with Frank Wycheck and Mm -hmm. Kevin Dyson and the controversy, non-controversy, controversy surrounding that. That's Mm -hmm. the thing I remember the most. It still looks like, I don't know why, maybe it's an optical illusion. It still looks like a forward pass for me. I'm glad the Titans won. Yeah. But it still does, for whatever reason, look like a forward pass to me. It's always the big debate. Yeah, no doubt. Texts to the text line. I remember getting pulled out of school early to go to the championship parade and waiting forever for them to show up in the cold. The, The Rams had partied all night and flew back from Atlanta. And Isaac actually went home to take a nap and slept through the parade. Poor guy. Really? Yeah, he did. Did he really? Wow. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, he missed. The you got to power through that one. Yeah. He he wakes up and <laughs> the parade's on TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you just drive down there and just you hop in. Yeah. 
Somebody wow. let you in. I'm like, hey, I did uh, not know that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that either. He's told the story a couple times. Really? Yeah. Uh, so text. nobody just, nobody was like, wait a minute. I think we're, this we're missing, And you didn't have cell phones the then, yeah. really. Well, yeah, you kind of have. It was yeah. not like the cell phones like now. You had to wait right. till 9 p.m. to yeah. get your minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the best thing about that year was the... Uh, uh, one dollar. It was it was Domino's pizza for each touchdown <laughs> scored. We get several one to two dollars p- pizzas every week. So Domino's gave you a dollar off for every touchdown the Rams scored. Really? And so and the Rams are scoring six and seven touchdowns every week. So you get a two dollar pizza. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That Domino's got rid of a lot of pizzas. Yeah. And I don't know if they made much money, but they got. Rid- <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Thanks for for. Reminding us of that. That was incredible. Somebody texted him from the 636. Don't give Brooke an inch on this, Randy. I don't appreciate lost that. the game. <laughs> that, that's, that's more than yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're crushing. That's a memory. Uh, that's, that's the that's a tactic. Yeah. It's the way that Dyson fruitlessly, like, kept yeah. clawing the ball yeah. at the goal line. That, that is like etched in my brain. He's like, his knee's down. He knows way it's over. Down. But he's sitting there and just keeps on just like trying to tap yeah, the goal line. Oh. Okay. Let me give okay. you a, a, one other one. And this is really what it's all about. This is from uh, the, the 618. I was a season ticket holder in 1999 and also saw the game in Cincinnati when Oz scored four touchdowns. Seeing that whole season with my dad, who had been a season ticket holder every year, the Big Red were here, was simply magical. And the reason that I was a PSL holder and got season tickets and was so upset when they left was my favorite memories as a kid were going to big red games with my dad and I wanted to be able to take my kids to games and that's why I I worked so hard to help bring the Rams here and then when they left I was upset but I can tell you this 1999, 2000, 01, 02, 03 no fan base has ever been better we still have all due respect to fans in Kansas City who are fantastic and fans in Tennessee. But the best fan base in America is right here. It's the loudest. And Marty Schottenheimer said it. Marty Schottenheimer coached a decade in Kansas City mm-hmm. where they always put loudest stadium in the NFL. Yeah. Marty Schottenheimer came in here in 2003 and said, this is the loudest venue I've ever been in. We're the best fans, but we also had it the best of any group ever with five Hall of Famers, six if you want to co- count the coach, and the greatest offense that ever played, and a time where they still played defense when people hit. We had it better than anybody ever. And one of those defenders, London Fletcher, it <laughs> should be. Should I, I'm, be. I'm just looking at this. He didn't miss a game, Randy. No. In, was it 14, 15 years? Yeah. Not one game. Yes. He played Do you middle linebacker. At five ten, and he we we're looking eye to eye. We yeah. played together in Washington briefly when I was there. Eye to eye, he five ten middle linebacker. Nah, that that man was a special football player. And like you said, when you could actually hit people, when it was actually yep. applauded, when people got knocked down and out, it, that was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were loud when was, that happened. Yeah, that's, that's cool. what that's what bothers me the most when you're talking about fans and the support here that there's not an NFL team here anymore, and because the fans deserve it, and the NFL is a lot of fun, the energy and stuff that it brings mm-hmm. never should have been taken away here in St. Louis, and I'm not just saying that because I work here and I live here. I I just remember too, like I was saying, Tennessee, we had that time, and you know with the Vols and the Titans and how special that was. I remember that that was also going on in St. Louis. I remember all the championship culture here in St. Louis and NFL should be still here. A part of that. And by the way, preseason the following year, 
the Titans called it Super Bowl 34 and a half. And it was great. And Mart's really got into it. Mart's and Fisher were great against each other. Coming up, we want to have some of your mic drops as we roll on here on Championship Week. It's a celebration of Super Bowl 34 here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This comes again. Green deep drop this time. Throws to the right side wide open and out of bounds is Tony Small, the rookie out of Georgia. And Green went down hard and is not getting up. And that looks bad. It hurts. But uh, that's, that's what this business is all about. We are not going to use Trent Green as an excuse for losing. We will rally around Kurt Warner and we'll play good football. When they play here in St. Louis. They trailed. They were behind for only four minutes and 29 seconds. So they got to go to work. Warner, the quarterback, fires up the middle. The pass is caught to Isaac. He threw it, and he's gone. Backs are split behind Kirk Warner. Takes back to throw under some pressure. Rainbows the far sideline, and it is caught. Yes! Touchdown, yes! Rams! Yes! Ricky Pro! Yes! And he went deep on that. Ricky Prowl, the veteran. Listen to this crowd. First attempt of the 27. Warner back to throw. Rainbows the far sideline, and it is caught by Isaac Bruce. Makes a move to the 30. 25 20. And they won't catch him today. Yes. Champions Week during All Star Week here on 101 ESPN. Brooke. Kerry, Randy, and Matthew, and we appreciate your mic drops with the 101 ESPN app. Remembering the 1999 Super Bowl 34 champion, St. Louis Rams, John is with us with a mic drop. John, what do you got? What I remember about the 99 season is looking at that schedule they had and having very solid discussions with people that this team was capable of winning nine, maybe ten games. Here's the thing about that schedule. The Falcons have been to the Super Bowl the year before, and in the opener, in the Monday night opener, they lose Jamal Anderson to the se- for the season with the torn-, torn ACL. They go into the game in Cincinnati, and they were tied for the worst record in the NFL in the 90s with the Bengals, and then they just hammer the Bengals 38-10. Then the game is against San Francisco. Aeneas actually had knocked out Steve Young in the Monday night game before, Mm. last game Steve Young ever played. So they come in with their backup quarterback, the Niners do, and the Rams take care of them. Then they get Atlanta again. You get abysmal Cleveland. Then they go to Tennessee, as we mentioned, and lost in Detroit. But then Carolina was down. George Seifert was their head coach. They were terrible. By the way, the Rams offered the head coaching job to George Seifert, and he turned it down before Dick Vermeil got the job. So that was kind of fortuitous for the Rams. And things just worked out. The Saints were bad because Mike Ditka was just past his prime at that point and and didn't have a very good staff. They traded their entire draft for Ricky Williams. Mm -hmm. So everything just kind of fell into place for the Rams that year. And by the way, one other note. See, Dan, I I don't know if this is something that you look at, but Coach Vermeil and I were talking before the season started. He said, did you notice that all of our division games are played first? So they play Atlanta, San Francisco, Carolina and uh, 
New Orleans, they all of those rivalry games were mm-hmm. the first one was at home, and then they went on the road yeah. for the second one. The thing that I, I'm looking at the schedule right now, the thing that I find most intriguing, and I'm sure every player on that roster found intriguing, bye week, week two. Yeah, Why in the hell do we have a bye week, week two? Nobody wants it that early. Mm-hmm. We're not banged up. We're, but so to be able to, to sustain an entire season, make the playoff run that they made, knowing that you had to play, uh, what is that, 12 games, 13 games in a row after after mm-hmm. week one, 14, 15 games in a row after week one. That is amazing. That's a product of being bad. Yeah, well, I <laughs> well, guess so. And, and look at all the game times. Every single game was... Oh, 1 o'clock. Yep. Every, yeah, 12 well, noon one, Central Time. 12 Central, or <laughs> unless uh, except for the San Francisco game. Uh, there were no primetime games. That's what we always used to... We knew in Pittsburgh, like Mike T, we, we're playing at 4 p.m. every week. We mm-hmm. know that we're not a we're not a one p.m. game Eastern time. We are a four p.m. prime time game. It's only a couple of games left. Uh, when you're playing at noon Central time or one o'clock Eastern time, you, you're, you're not good. No, Nobody's no, watching. No, There's no, a were. bunch of games. <laughs> that means there's a bunch of options to choose from, yep. and they ain't choosing you. Right, exactly. And by the way, they never. The first time Madden and Summerall did a Rams game that year was the Vikings playoff game. They, they never did one. Uh, uh, Terry is next with a mic drop. I was on a float trip Labor Day weekend, 1999, with my brother. I bet him a case of beer that the Kansas City Chiefs would have a better record than the Rams. I said to him, look, you guys just lost your quarterback. Who's your quarterback now? This guy, Kurt Warner? He was stocking shelves a year ago. I bought him two cases of beer at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the morning after... The green injury. We've got a fantasy football draft. And my friend Big Frank is listening right now. So people take Holt and Bruce and Falk in the first couple of rounds. And then like in the fifth or sixth round, he takes Kurt. And everybody kind of laughs. He says, well... Somebody's got to throw the ball to these guys that all you Jamokes just took. So, and yeah, 43 touchdowns later, I think he might, might have won the league that year. Yeah. Carrie is, uh, another Carrie is with us on 101 ESPN. I just remember the 99 Rams, whenever they played, if it was a Sunday afternoon, Monday night, whatever, it was a party atmosphere everywhere. And it was like the world was great then. But hey, Right now, it is what it is, and we got to deal with the Cardinals. <laughs> you got to deal with the Cardinals. It's not really mad at the, the parting shot. You get a hand, get, him, get one. What <laughs> are the reasons we're, we're, we're reminiscing today? But as, and this is one thing that the NFL failed to understand that the Rams owned the town. Okay, so this is post McGuire. McGuire hits the, he hit 65 home runs in 1999. He, but, the Rams owned the town during the greatest show on turf era. You could not get a ticket, and the the other franchises were just kind of sidebars. It was every single time, every single time that the Rams and Cardinals played at the same time they were here. I believe there were 19 of them in St. Louis. The Rams had a bigger crowd, even when they were terrible. Going through mm. 15 and 65, the Rams always had bigger crowds than the Cardinals. And the greatest show on turf set the stage for that, and no group had more fun. No group of fans had more fun uh, than the Rams fans in the, in the Dome. That's just crazy to me. That, um, but it makes sense. I mean, I feel like NFL, just less games, a lot mm. more action-packed with what you're seeing. 
doesn't last as long as what we've seen with baseball games as opposed to now with the pitch clock. But that's so crazy that that was like the thing that people would pick oh. first. Well, the amazing thing is 2013 Cardinals are in the World Series. Game five is at the ballpark and the Rams are bad. They're, it's their second year under Fisher. They've already endured 15 and 65. And the Seattle Seahawks are down the, the down the street at the Dome. And even then, against Game 5 of the World Series, the Rams and Seahawks had a bigger Monday night crowd than the World Series wow. game. Wow. That's people, nuts. Football yeah. is king. I mean, yeah. people love yeah, We hate the football. business, but man, yeah. they can't turn away from that nah. product. Yeah, you're going to no. watch it. Yeah, always. It, it was awesome. Uh, thank you very much for your mic drops. We do appreciate them. Coming up, we talked earlier about whether the Cardinals think of themselves as buyers or sellers and what they should think of themselves. We're going to get a couple of your texts and revisit that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We know the Cardinals need pitching help, both from a rotation standpoint and from a bullpen standpoint. The Cardinals could utilize some of those pieces to get that pitching help or at least get a jump start on it. But because of the division and because it's not very competitive, even though the record does not suggest this should be feasible at all, I can still see the Cardinals trying to avoid a full sell at the trade deadline. If we want to make a run, we really got to take off in the second half. And, uh, you know, our schedule isn't as hard or as complicated as it was in the first half. And I hope, hopefully that can pay dividends, you know. But uh, that remains to be seen. We got a lot of work to do. But hopefully this break will give us recharged and ready to go. That was Katie Wu of The Athletic and Cardinal third baseman Nolan Arenado. And we're talking about the Cardinals making the decision between being a buyer or a seller. And it's easy for us to do, but we aren't really taking into account other franchises. The Mets haven't figured out what they want to do. The White Sox haven't figured out what they want to do. The The White Sox are only eight games out of the lead in their division. The Cardinals are 11 and a half back in uh, their division in last place. Yeah. Uh, so if, if the Cardinals are having that internal debate and nobody's as tied in with the Cardinals as Katie Wu is, then I I have to believe that it's going to be very difficult for the Cardinals to buy at the deadline. And because of the confidence level I have in this club to turn things on and go on a run where they could heck get back to 500, that's, that would be a chore in and of itself just to get to 500 for this club to play 14 over for the rest of the season. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm going to try to maximize the availability of people like Flaherty and and Jordan Montgomery because there are going to be so many teams at the top that are going to be interested in getting a starting pitcher. Which which teams do you think are in? I mean, would would the Cincinnati Reds be intrigued by one of those guys? Absolutely would. Uh, The Tampa Bay Rays would. The Baltimore Orioles would. The New York Yankees would. The Marlins still would. Philadelphia still would. Um, I don't know if Milwaukee is going to add anything. Minnesota would would be interested. Uh, Texas with DeGrom down, they would be interested. Houston with Javier down would be interested. Seattle is going to be interested in a pitcher. The Dodgers, with all of their injuries, are going to be interested in starting pitching. Arizona could use a front-of-the-rotation guy. There's there's going to be 10 teams that are going to be willing to pay a premium for a good starting pitcher. And, and that means you're a seller, though, because exactly. what, what are you getting in return if you're trading away Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery? And, and I will say this. Jack Flaherty is one of he's 27. He'll be 27, mm-hmm. 26, 27. I don't know that that's a person that you let go. I mean, I, I, I think if you can re-sign him, 
Unless you can get a haul for him, obviously, yeah. But I think if you can resign him, you you do that because we've seen the the talent that he has, and you don't want that talent to walk out the door, and then you're watching him, you know, pitch Cy Young type baseball for for another team. Your life would be easier if you had the opportunity to sign either Montgomery or Flaherty before the deadline. It would be, but the likelihood of that happening, I think, is very very low. One, Jack Flaherty has been hit or miss still this season. We're looking for consistency. I know it's not just him. He's not the only one that we've been wanting to see more consistency from. Jordan Montgomery is really the only starting pitcher you can say that. I think my one concern about re-signing Jack Flaherty would be that this is really the first, so far, knock on wood, fully healthy season that we've seen from him in his career in a while. Since... 2019. 2019. That would be my biggest concern because you've always brought up the shoulder and that being an issue as well. I think that that's something where I'd want to see a little bit more of a body of work. I personally wouldn't be surprised if we don't see anything splashy by the trade deadline, maybe a few things here or there. My hope would be, though, that then they address a lot of the stuff during the offseason. This text from the 314 says that they need to be buyers. What does being a buyer Look like well, to you, yeah, keeping Flaherty and, and Montgomery and trading something, someone else to to add to the to the starting I think rotation. You can do or both. Now, here's my question though: Are the White Sox going to move a Dylan Cease? To me, the the focus of this entire operation from now until you get a guy is to get a stud number one starting pitcher. Would the White Sox trade Cease? They're only eight games out. They probably feel the same way the Cardinals do. Would you? feel like Max Scherzer is still a number one and would the Mets move Max Scherzer I don't believe that the Rays would move last now I think the Rays would probably be more interested in adding pitching especially with McClanahan down than they would in moving a guy like Tyler Glass now um the, the Phillies are still in it. The Phillies still think they can win. They're, so They're pen- 12 back in the division. That That's a team that, that just popped in my head with Aaron Nola being a free agent next year. Do you think that they move from him well, and, and try to get something where they can have something. They're a half somewhere. game out of a wild card spot. And last year they went to the World Series with 87 wins. Yeah, That's the thing. It's, if you can make the playoffs. You get in. You and especially win, if yeah. you're them because yeah. you did it last yeah. year, right? You were, the, you were third in your division last year right. and went to the World Series. So if you're Philadelphia, if I was Philadelphia, and Dave, uh, Dave Dombrowski, their GM, is almost 70. I would be much more inclined to buy if I were the Phillies than sell. It's going to be really interesting because there's a lot of things you have to address, right? When it comes to adding personnel, when we heard Nolan Arnauto talking about maybe adding a piece, starting pitching, the starting rotation obviously is not going to be the same. We already know that with the contracts that are possibly leaving or leaving for next season. That's something that has to be addressed. This bullpen, relievers, how are you Mm -hmm. going to address that? And then, two, I keep going back to... Do you need to add a presence from somebody? And maybe that will be a pitcher, but maybe not. If we're talking about some of these names that we brought up with Dylan Cease and Aaron Nola, a more veteran presence as well. Because that quote that I read you guys during the break with Nolan Arenado, Derek Gould just put out this great story about Nolan Arenado talking about the pressures within this organization and how he even said he feels bad for his young Cardinal teammates. It's a long quote, but in short, he says their expectation for us is one that not a lot of organizations have. And in the quote, he talks about the pressures that the Cardinals organization has for young players as to what, as opposed to what he experienced with the Rockies. 
Do you think that that's him saying, and I've heard him say this over and over again, that we're a young team, that he, in his mind, is thinking that there needs to be another piece added that can help with that veteran presence. And maybe they thought Contreras was going to be that piece, and maybe Contreras still can be that piece. I don't see where the Cardinals fit a position player in right I, now. That's the, the no. I, I, where? I, I think that's where you subtract to add the pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, that that might be the the spot to go. I think with Nolan's comment, I I I love it. I mean, it when you are playing for an organization where the expectation is to win mm-hmm. or or make it to the playoffs and have an opportunity to win championships, that is a wonderful thing. It is much better than playing for an organization where you have no history, you have no legacy, you don't have. No one expects you to be great or no one expects anything from you. You just show up every day, go to work and and play ball and go home. If you are on that team, I think that's much harder than being on a team that people expect a contender from. Well, and that's. Well, there's a reason he wanted to leave the Rockies, right? Exactly. And that's why it's so much fun for the Reds right now, because the Reds all of a sudden. One guy arrives with his own personal expectations of being great, and he drags everybody up with him, yes. and that's Ellie De La Cruz. And all of a sudden, things have changed for their fans. But when's the last time Reds fans had expectations of being great? And Cardinal fans, uh, I use the word entitled, and the, the people that don't understand the definition of the word think that it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have been a fan of an organization that's so good that they have given you a sense of entitlement. That that means that you have had a pretty good run and that you've hopefully enjoyed what uh, what your franchise has been giving you. If if you are an entitled Pirates fan, you're an idiot. You, you lost your damn mind. Yeah, <laughs> delusional. Yeah. I have a quick question because somebody uh, just sent in something that made me think of something. 618 said, sign Montgomery before the trade deadline. If not, trade both at the deadline, then try to get Montgomery in the offseason. Do you think if he goes that there's any way of getting him back if you do move him at the trade deadline? I don't know, but I would doubt it. Just based upon observation, I don't really get the sense that he feels like he's a trusted starting pitcher here. And I, my guess is that he probably would prefer to go somewhere where – it is a Bochy or a Snitker or a Thompson, somebody where they give a, a pitcher a chance to work through a problem now and then. And they never give him the chance to work through a problem. And I, if I were in Jordan Montgomery's shoes, I would feel like they don't trust me. I, I, I will say maybe we're starting, we'll see a shift in that mindset because they gave, Ali gave Jack Flaherty another, mm-hmm. uh, another batter in his last outing, which I was in full approval of. I, was too. I, I think you have to trust your guys again. You may have the analytics telling you third time around the lineup, this guy has done. You have to trust your guy to not be uh, put you in a position to, to lose that game. And when he's your starter, he's the guy, as you said, Randy, you said it plenty of times, who are you going to bring in that's better than Bingo. me in this moment? And I feel like Jack Flaherty was the best for that moment. And we're going to get to a point, hopefully, where they do that with Jordan Montgomery as well. But he's a Boris guy, so there's no way you sign him before. And I, I don't think... It doesn't appear as if the Cardinals' relationship with Scott Boris and his clients is the best right now. So, Tyler O'Neill, Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. Is Tyler, how's he doing? He's got a bad back. How long How long he had that? Uh, to about a week back, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm exiting early from the show. I'm exiting early from the show. <laughs> Coming up rock and roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Let's rock. Let's rock today. Before we get to rock and roll, 101 ESPN has your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals and the Marlins. Next week's Bud Bash game features a limited edition Brad Thompson bobblehead. Text in 314-399-9646 to win Budweiser Bash tickets for the Cardinals and the Marlins. You get a four-pack. You can get all the details on this season's Budweiser Bash series at cardinals.com slash promotions. Okay, here's the question of the day so that you can win the four-pack of tickets to the Budweiser Bash with the Brad Thompson bobblehead. BT pitched for six years in the major leagues. Five of those years were with the Cardinals. What other major league team did Brad Thompson pitch for? If you can give us that at 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO! Texture number 48 gets the tickets to the Bud Bash next Tuesday. All right, Matthew, what do you got uh, in terms of rock and roll? Brooke, should we read the joke we got on the text line? I okay, did. So do you know, I, I'm saying, should I read it out I'm loud? Saying, should I read it out yeah, loud? Yeah, okay, and so why not? We've gotten some, 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 some 618 texts in. Rainy's week back joke is great. It's kind of like the patient at the hospital who had 25 miniature to- toy horses in his rectum. They said his condition was stable. <laughs> they said his condition was stable. stable. Get it. That's funny. That's a dumb That's joke. Funny. But I'm going to laugh at that every single time you send that in. Uh, Randy, over his years, uh, Tom Brady, he sacrificed a lot of money um, by, by letting, by, and let the Patriots just keep on mm-hmm. adding to that cap. And maybe he might be regretting that now because little news has come out that uh, his sponsorship with FTX, the um, NFT cryptocurrency people who just completely bottomed out after, well, getting the Miami Heat to buy into their, mm-hmm. getting, getting into their yep. whole thing. Tom Brady uh, did a bunch of sponsorships, a bunch of um, speaking engagements for them, and he was supposed to be paid $30 million in stocks. Well, those stocks are now worth completely bubkiss, absolutely nothing, double zero. So Tom Brady out $30 million. And here's something that I thought was Interesting, Giselle out eighteen million from yeah. this deal. Maybe not, maybe not the happiest part of the uh, of the I, divorce. No, talking over this one, I was thinking about this because I read this story, and I'm thinking about what sort of benefit we could hold for Tom, <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, he, he so can, he can survive. Yeah, so that he can overcome eh, this tragic I think loss. He'll be okay. He's dating Kim now. So oh, yeah. oh was saying, yeah. is that the reason for dating Kim? Because Kim is Kim is doing really well with her yeah. Skims line and all the other stuff right. she does. I don't know what She's else she does. She's probably got a higher net worth than him, right? He's he's at like three hundred mil. Do you think that that caused the uh, a rift in the relationship when you lose eighteen million dollars because you're? Significant other says we should yeah. invest in that, this. That would cause problems. But cause apparently, money to. does cause problems in relationships. That's what I've I'm heard. What, I'm trying to think of what like a charity event for Tom Brady would be called, like Chins Across the World. I'm trying to think of like what, what, what the name would know. be. Kim is worth a TB billion 12. dollars. No, there's, no no, there's no way. I thought way. her sister. I thought yeah. her sister was worth a billion. Uh, uh, Kylie Chloe? with yeah, her. Well, no, yeah, with, with all the. Uh, there's so many with, of them. The, with the makeup. Know, yeah, with the makeup company. That's, everything. That's yeah. Kylie. Yeah, I thought Kylie. I thought Kylie was Chloe was the one that looks like Donkey and yeah, that's like Chloe. Oh, yeah. Kylie. Kylie. She's been through enough with Tristan Thompson. Why would you do that? And plastic surgery. She's different on every Nurtech commercial that she does. They all look very different all the time. I don't. I'm, I didn't think Randy was going to go atomic on the Kardashian yeah. Jenner clan. What? Just by me bringing this up. I definitely thought you said something else wrong. Chloe's been through so much. She went through the whole she, Lamar Odom <laughs> debacle. Yeah. And sure Tristan Thompson. Yeah, poor Chloe. 
Is she the same one? Is that who's the oldest one? Kim. No, Courtney. Uh, Kim. Courtney. Courtney. Is Courtney? Wait, Courtney's older than Kim? Yeah. I think so, what? yeah. And she's married to uh, Travis Barker. Hmm. She's the one who married. Who's, who's dating Travis Scott? Uh, that was Kyle. How the hell do you keep up with all these people? Which one of them married Rob Kardashian? Which one of them married Rob Humphreys? Rob Kardashian is their brother. Which one of them married Rob Humphreys? I don't know. Oh, no, that was Chris, Chris Humphreys. Humphreys. Chris Humphreys. That was Kim. That was Kim. Good lord. And they were married for like, yeah. How yeah. many times so she been married? It was that long? No, it was a 74 days. Well, and then he wore it It wasn't. I thought it was like a few hours or something like that. I forgot what it was. 73 days. About three or four months. Okay, Chloe is the one who's... What's the other name? Chloe, Kylie. Oh my God. Courtney, Kim. Isn't in the fifth one? What's Chloe, the other one? Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Is Kylie. Four girls? Yeah. Four, five. Was, Who are the two models? Girls? The younger ones. Uh, Kylie and Kendall. But Kendall's, Kendall. Kendall's the model. Yeah. Kendall's right. the one with the money. No, yeah. Kylie's the one with the money uh-huh. with her makeup line. I, I feel like I feel, this is I so funny explaining all this. I have this. no I, clue who we and got And here's nothing. the thing. I have no idea why I know all this information. I just feel like it's like forced into <laughs> my brain because they're everywhere. I've never seen the show. <laughs> uh, not once. It will not. <laughs> my favorite no. comment here comes from the uh, YouTube channel from Mick Rick. He says, poor, poor Tom. All he did was promote a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> really. Point well taken. Unfortunately. And speaking him. of uh, getting caught... Uh, doing some illegal things with some money. Did you guys hear? Here? No, no, I actually was going to go. Did you guys hear the uh, the saga of Chief Saholic came yes! to an end yesterday when the FBI finally tracked him down and arrested him in Sacramento? You've heard of Chief Saholic probably around the Super Bowl because he apparently robbed a bank allegedly. Uh, I guess yeah. I can say not allegedly anymore. He robbed no, a bank and was then arrested for it. He got an ankle monitor. He ripped the ankle monitor off in March and has been on the run from the FBI and the cops since. My favorite part about this story has to be. The that he pulled the most like you're sitting around with your friends when you're 18 and you're like if you had to steal a million dollars how would you get away with it and he pulled the easiest answer that we all know when we're 18 that it's not going to work he would rob a bank or or defraud a bank for for cash Mm -hmm. he would then take that cash walk into a casino where there's cameras everywhere Mm -hmm. and he would then buy chips cash the chips back out as cash is his way to try to launder uh, the money. money. But the problem is, again, there's cameras everywhere that's in a so casino. Stupid. And that's so, how he was trying to launder some of the money that he was defrauding and robbing yeah. from these banks. You gotta, again, you the, the simplest answer. But we, all, but again, this is, you're 19 in college, yeah, you're not completely like sober, and you're like, how would you do it? And everyone even figures out in that state, that's not going to work. There's cameras the too game. many places. Did he not long watch game. Ozark? Yeah. Apparently! You gotta play oh, the long game. Good. You yeah. gotta take some time with yeah. this. This yeah. is not a, a quick fix. This is not, I'm gonna just go go to the casino with this this money and get it right back. Now oh. you gotta you gotta take some time. Some some months, maybe years, just, just to filter it. Not that I know these things. I'm just saying. <laughs> much right. much like if you're gonna become a, a, a mogul in real estate, you need to watch the big short first. You also have to watch Breaking Bad before you're gonna start laundering money. There's scenes in there that you can take knowledge well, from. Remember Sam Heard? The, I do, yes. Yeah, the, the, the drug dealing yes. wide receiver. Yeah, that yeah. was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and was he telling smart. people he was going to be the drug king of Chicago. Kingpin, yeah. yeah you, don't, you don't tell people you're going to become sounds the drug like king. Sounds of like he wasn't very intelligent. Then they arrest you with a van full of drugs, and all of a sudden you're in jail. Yeah. What did Little Wayne say, Kerry? Real G's moving silence. Uh, like, like lasagna. lasagna. There you go. Little Wayne. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne, thank you. Little Wayne. Did I say, did I say, did I say <laughs> Lil Wayne? Yeah, I just like how Randy said it. Did you who? say Little Wayne? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I had to go back and listen to that bag, make sure I didn't actually pronounce the T's. That would have been really embarrassing. But yes, he has now been arrested by the FBI. He's going to be charged with a bunch of different counts of robbery, fraud, money laundering, so have you. So unfortunately, a rabid Chiefs fan that you will not see on Twitter. And apparently, Randy, get this, a lot of the stuff he said on social media apparently was false. Hmm. Really? Oh, people can be shut away. Apparently, the betting no, slips of him putting down Randy, fifty grand on, the, on Pat Mahomes no. to win the MVP apparently Rock. not real. Rock. Wow! What you see on the internet is the real deal, it brother. One hundred percent. Do not, do not talk that talk. This That's is what I thought. What you see on Twitter and mm-hmm. Instagram, it's all real. Mm-hmm. Nobody it really is. Nobody lies Movies on too. these you guys, sources. Did you guys know Abraham Lincoln fought vampires? Oh wow! No, I mean, I did, that. did they say that in a movie? Yeah, it was in a movie. I saw it. It happened. It happened. Like the people were walking around with like old timey. Like documentary. I like, had no idea. Right? That's. It. I mean, it was in color, so I feel like I sh- little questionable. Yeah. But I mean, how else did okay. they get that footage? Hey, I don't know. I'm glad we got that sorted out. I hope you liked that play. <laughs> oh, Randy! <laughs> I'm just saying. Too soon. <laughs> too no, soon. it's not. <laughs> it's too soon. <laughs> it's too soon. I don't know how far they were in. Uh, too oh soon. God! What? Too soon. All we know is it got into a good punchline. Oh, too soon. <laughs> it's true. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's rock and roll. Thank you, Matthew. That's our producer, audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. So, Brooke, really too soon? Yeah. When did, is it 300 years okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, roughly. Yeah, around, around roughly. that. Okay, good. A CD. My man. Sir thank Little you. Wayne. My man. There we go. Uh, and we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Tomorrow, we're going to take a look at a couple a of the uh, Cardinal World Championships as Championship Week continues. Uh, we've got Kyle McClellan coming on tomorrow, right? Yep. Talk a little bit about the 2011 Cardinal World Championship here on 101 ESPN. So until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.